Hello and welcome to Game Changers with Vicki Abelson. Um, where is Vicki Abelson? Where? Oh, where? I don't know. But all I do know is that Leland Sklar is right over there. Leland Sklar and sitting next to him is Tristan Capel, and they're gonna treat us to a little tune before we start chatting. So uh, take it away, boys. Samantha, would you grab my glasses in case I can't? 
I'm getting cataract surgery, Lee. Really? Yes. <laughs> I am. I didn't know you owned a cataract. Oh, you mean eyes. I thought you were looking for Oh, God. A cataract. What is that? A cataract. Okay. Not a Lincoln, it's a cataract. Oh, uh, a cataract when you're... Work with me, babe. Work with me. So that's a little... Uh, that's a little... Uh, <laughs> What's the, what's the, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's Asian hate is what well, it no, is. No, we're not going here. There's too much of that in this world. Obviously. There is. So uh, Lee, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to get the page up so that we can talk to people, but maybe Samantha will help us and she'll, no, 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 no. Uh, in, um, on the little desk to the side by the window, there's a pair of black glasses sticking out of a holder. <laughs> um, because I need glasses everywhere. So Lee. You, how long have you been wearing glasses? Since I was about four. Since you were four. And does it like ever change or is it? Uh, it's so weird. I, 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 I sit here and go, my eyes are getting so bad. I go to the eye doctor and he goes, no, they're getting better. Your prescription's now too bad. So I figure if I live to be 125, <laughs> I may not need. But past, <laughs> past two days I've been in the studio and yeah. the first sessions I've ever done where I didn't wear glasses. Just to see the charts. I, you know, all right, so I just want you to know, I, I, I keep touching him because Lee, uh, Lee uh, is my favorite, my favorite, and my in-per, my favorite and my first in-person interview. Yeah, I'm thrilled. And uh, you were one of my, were you one of my, no, January, yeah. we did it. But yeah. it wasn't that long before no. the, the, no, the it, thing. It, everything went to, went to hell pretty quickly after that. You know, we're going to talk about that because for those of you who want to know like Lee's full history and everything, we did like two and a half hours on the first boring, one. Boring. No, we did like two and a half hours and then we did like another two hours uh, in September or something. Yeah. But what I really want to talk to you about today are current events because you've got so much going on in your right. life. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, the last, the first time you were on the show, Lee, you talked about your coffee table book that you were aspiring to do. Yeah. Now yeah. that was a year and a couple of months, a few months ago. Yeah. Can we see the evidence? Absolutely. I'd be proud to. Show I mean, it. excuse me while I whip this out. Whip, whip it out. That's what he said. Whip it good. <laughs> whip it good. Um, so, uh, okay. So we've got, a, <gasps> it's a big, heavy oh my God. Oh, it panel cover. really nice. Yeah, there's 6,000 6, photographs in it oh of people giving me the finger. <laughs> okay, so now what inspired okay. the giving of the finger? Okay, there's an explanation in the book, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a synopsis. We have to tell people. Um, when I was on the road with Phil Collins in 2004 doing our first final farewell tour, um, there was talk during the, the tour that Phil might retire at the end of the tour. Mm -hmm. he, he had to leave and go. Wait, what year was that? 2004. You said that. I'm sorry. Yeah. But now, is that before he actually did take off for a while? Well, he did take off after that. He, okay. They did one more Genesis mm -hmm. tour, I think, in 2007. Uh-huh. Um, that was already committed to. But he was having to, he had to leave. Our tour, we still had, I think, a couple of legs of the tour left to go Africa and Southeast Asia. But he had written the music for Tarzan on Broadway, and the producers wanted him to be there. Okay. So they had to cancel these two legs of our tour, and I think by then he was just ready to pack it in. He was pissed off that he had to leave, and you know it was all this stuff. But there, so there was this talk of him retiring. Does he love touring? Um, he did at the time. Okay. Um, I mean Genesis is just getting ready to hit the road. So, oh, we have to talk about that yeah. and how that's starting to unfold um, again. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so, there was this talk of him retiring, and right. I thought, 
we had probably a hundred crew people on the road with us. Wow. And I thought, I may never see a lot of these people again if he packs it in. Right. Because they were from all over the states, all over Europe. And how long had you been playing with Phil? I started with him in 84. Which is so insane. Yeah, yeah. Is that pre The Air Tonight? Is it? No, no uh, in the air tonight was in uh, his eighty two. Okay, so just and, before, and that. he had called me then to work with him, but I was already committed to a James Taylor project, and I couldn't do it. But I told Phil, I said, because Phil and I met doing a Lee Rittenauer record. Ah. Lee hired both of us to do a couple of tracks on his album really? back in like eighty. 81 or something so like that. So that was before, that was before, before just Phil before Phil solo. broke. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, so when, when this tour was happening and this, it right. sounded like this, I decided to take pictures of everybody on the tour just to make a folder for myself, for my right. own little memory book. Right. And uh, they had hired a bass tech for me on the tour, mm -hmm. a guy named Steve Winstead. His nickname was Chinner. Because? And, because he had a big beard and a chin. <laughs> you know, most, most people show up with a, uh, with a nickname. Okay. And, and sometimes you don't want to ask where it came from because it could get really creepy. What, what's your nickname, Lee? Um, I have no idea what people call me. <laughs> In college, I was called Buffalo. Because, okay. Because I wore a lot of, like, buckskin and stuff. I mean, I wasn't. Do you remember that. those buffalo buffalo sandals? Oh, yeah. Do you remember those? Yeah, I had oh, plenty yeah. of those. Oh, those yeah. were great. You get them wet and then they... Yeah, yeah. yeah, squaw boots and all that stuff from those days. I still have my fringe jacket. And so do I. Oh, we have, to, we, have we, to, have to, we have to hit the town one night with our fringe. We will go out there. Um, but, um, so they hired this guy for me. Yeah. And normally, I had always done my own tech on the road. I was pretty self-sufficient, so... He showed up, I think he had been on a tour where the bass player had like 10 basses and he wanted new springs every night on all of them oh. and all this. So he came in like hungry, he's like, what do you need? What do you, what do you need? Wait, and are I, you high maintenance? Like? I'm so low maintenance, okay. sickening. Okay, so what is it like for your bass tech? Um, that was the problem. He said, what do you need? And I said, nothing. So nothing. basically I said, I guess just have my amp on stage and make sure it goes on. And so you don't want your bass tech tuning you up or anything like that? I'm not a big, I wasn't a big fan of that. Because I, mm. I figure it's my butt on stage. If anything yeah. goes wrong, I'm the one that looks bad. Yeah. So, um, but that. he was really good. But he ended up doing some work for me, but then they had him doing like general work, like helping the singers and you know, and drums and all that. So right. I worked with everybody. So I got to the end of this thing and I decided to make my little folder. And Steve was sitting there at his laptop working away, and I walk up and I said, hey, Steve, give me a smile. Without breaking stride, he just went, gave me the finger. Wow. And I looked at the picture, and I went, ooh, this is kind of good. This is in 2004? It didn't start until 2004? Yeah, it didn't start until 2004. Wow. Um, and so I looked at that, and then I decided to do the whole thing like that. I went to Phil, I went to Tony Smith, his manager. Everybody in the band, everybody in the crew, caterer, right. caterers, truck drivers, bus drivers, everybody. Cheap for the... um, I ended up with probably about 150 pictures. Okay. Of that. And I put it away. Just uh -huh. I made my little folder and put okay. it in my computer. Uh -huh. A couple of years later, I went on the road with Toto. And I thought, ooh, that was kind of fun to do that. So let's get, let's do the guys in Toto and the whole crew and everybody. Right. By that point, it got up to about 300 pictures, and I kind of went, this is turning into something different. And um, and at this point now, this book has 6,000 photographs in it, 
but I have over 12,000 photographs. I, I how did over. you, how did you decide? Um, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I, I, I did this book with a, a friend of mine, uh, Richard Tremarchi, whose nickname is Blue, and he owns a, a company, um, uh, I don't want to get into it. Okay, just uh, while um, you're looking. Art, are, artworks. Are there, um, are there stories in, in there, or is it just pictures? It's all pictures. It's all pictures. It's all pictures, and I didn't designate celebrity, non-celebrity. To me, this is a book about humanity. Are they labeled? No. No labels. So it's, it's, all, it's all visual. It's all visual. I, I love this. Yeah. Um, so we, we put this thing together, and I self-published it. Mm -hmm. um, had them all printed, and I've got a warehouse here in Pasadena that's got 10, well, I've sold 3,000. I printed 10,000. You're so nice. Such high quality. Yeah, that was the thing. We decided if we were going to do it, let's make it right. I mean, it really And the paper. It's, it's, the paper? It's, the thing weighs six pounds. Oh, my God. I just opened to a random page. I have, yeah. I have no idea who these people are, but I'm. I'm but it's, yeah, but you, you might find a, a fabulous page. I'm sure. Oh. I have no doubt. Did yeah. I just see Jackson? Wait. Oh, Jackson's in there. I'm sure. Oh, my God. Look at me. <laughs> Go to a fabulous page. Ah! Oh, my God, Lee, I'm enormous. You're enormous. There's. Oh, my God. Vicky is in the book. <laughs> that, was, that was my first picture in the book, is you. I had to. Have a standard bearer. You know, oh my God, Lee, I'm enormous. You are. I'm so You're a honored and flattered. So it's all it's it it's it, all of humanity is in this thing. It's oh it's, my God. It's the craziest um, grouping of, of people in here. Oh uh, my. Well, oh, like yes. Okay, you're in this now. I thought you didn't put any in that you didn't take. It's my camera, but I had somebody take it because this is the guy I worked with yesterday. This is Brett McKenzie. From flock of um, flight of the concords. Oh, oh, I love and that. And he's show. down in New Zealand right now. Wow. So we just finished his album yesterday. Wow. Um, and but um, there's Lawrence Fishburne. Oh my God! So there's crazy ass. So just name off a few people that people might know, and then then tell us a couple of stories of regular people and why you put them in. Um. What well, is, I mean, it's got Phil Collins and James Taylor and Jackson Brown and Linda Ronstadt and Bonnie Raitt and Melissa Etheridge, um, Jeff Beck, J uh, Jack Bruce. Um, Crazy. You kind of name Jay Leno. Um, I mean, there are, you know, Joe Bonamassa, Steve Vai, all, all the musicians there. But athletes like Bernie Williams from the New York Yankees, or Charles Barkley, Xander Esperanza Spalding, Hans Zimmer. Wow. Um, How did you get Hans Zimmer? I, I worked a bunch of things with oh. Hans Zimmer. Oh, there's Stephen Bishop. There's Stephen Bishop. There's um, Kevin Bacon. Oh, oh well, you have to show Kevin Bacon because everything is six degrees of Kevin Bacon there. There's Kevin Bacon. There's Lisa Loeb right down oh, in there. Rick Rosas. The Stephen, Stephen did, Bishop. Did Rick died. Yeah, Rick yeah. died. Um, but I'll, let me just... There's Brian Ferry and oh, Esperanza Spalding. I just saw Brian Ferry at, at the, um, not at the uh, Hollywood Bowl, but the other one. What is the other one called? Greek? Yes, at the Greek. Oh, really? So, like, right before, like a few months before lockdown. There's the last Jeremy Irons. Oh, wow. So Jeremy Irons. How do you know Jeremy? I was on a cruise with him, and, uh, and I, I got everybody. Was it love at first sight? 
Oh no, no. It, it, there was so much affection involved in it. It was, it was, it was, it was Sean Penn. Oh no, let's see Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Oh, there's Waddy. There's Waddy. Paul Reiser. Where's Paul? There's Sean Penn. There's Waddy Wachtel. There's Paul Reiser. Now, how do you know? Um, how do you know Sean Penn? Um, I was at a function and he was there, and you know, it's it, it's like. And how about Paul? Uh, I, I met Paul uh, in Nashville, mm -hmm. and I. Uh, the so thing is, I just go. I just, go to, and I just go up to people and say, "Come on, flip me off," and they go, "Leave me," and I go, "Come on," and they go, Ugh. Um, And one of my favorite pictures, though, yeah, it means so much to me. This is the next to last page. Is this gentleman right here? I'll turn it around. This is Theodore Lynn. He was my music teacher in junior high and high school, and he's the guy that turned me on to bass. And oh. we hooked up just before he passed from cancer. Oh. And uh, so I, oh, I spent a couple of days hanging out with him. Oh. And uh, so oh, I'm so glad you kind of dedicated him, you know, put him in here. And you did give him a little blurb on Oh, you know, there, there's a couple of blurbs. There's uh. Paula Dean, the, uh, she's the uh, Southern chef. There we go. I love that. I love, some of them are just like really big birds. Oh, it's, it, it, it was <laughs> Katie Seagal. Fantastic! She's uh, got a new show out. Who I know. It? Who is this? Uh, I he was on a project that I did. Um, See, there's Steve Tyler. Oh wow! All right. See, let's show Stephen Tyler. There's Stephen okay. Stephen Tyler, and that was when we were doing uh, John Lennon's 80th birthday or 75th, whatever it was at Madison Square Garden. Wow. There's Randy Newman. Oh, Randy Newman is right. But then there's a lot of just. The average people on the streets. So, like, what, what got... Katie Lang. Oh, God, wow, that's a real... She There's was Donnie really Most in your house. That's great. Let's show that. Yeah. Donnie Most at Women Who Write. There he is. right there. I grabbed that's him that crazy. day and said, Can I probably owe you some money for, <laughs> for that. So, what what was the criteria that got... Right, there's Steve Park. He did that yeah. house, too. What, what was the criteria that got people that are not famous in the book, a good uh, bird, what, what, what might yeah, it be? I think it was, it was just the fact that I really, first off, the thing I love about this book is not this, okay. it's this. So when you look through this, when you've empowered people to give the finger, it's, they, it's in their face. There's like a half a dozen ways of giving the finger, like David Crosby's like doing things like this, and James mm -hmm. Taylor uses that finger, so this, and Jack Black went, you want balls or no balls? And what do you want? <laughs> um, but, you guys are allowed to laugh out loud, by the way. That's but, okay. but, the, um, but the faces are infinite. And so for me, the real pleasure is really looking at people's faces when they do it. Um, um, Marilyn Martin, who sang Separate Lives with, Jane, with, with Phil Same Collins, um, like she came to one of Phil's gigs, Phil uh -huh. Collins' gigs, and I got her in the corner and I said, Come on in. And she's like, She's like this. <laughs> you know, everybody's different, so you get the whole gamut. But the so same, you get a lot of personality. A lot of personality. Right. And then the thing that was fun with this is the first page of it is all. It's all babies. Okay, so wait, you have to tell me my favorite story about the book, about the youngest person, but that's not in the book. It's not it? in the book. Um, it was uh, a friend of mine's daughter was pregnant, and when they did the ultrasound, there's a little hand in the ultrasound <laughs> going like this. <laughs> yeah, I went, you can never start too early. Um, and, and you didn't put it in the book because... Um, I, I didn't put it in because the resolution is... Mm -hmm. A lot of the decisions were made based on the, like when we really started looking at things and getting them up to like the pixelation and all right, that. Right, right. Because we really didn't want to have things that were out of focus or yeah, anything like that. 
but also just having, I mean, I suddenly realized that I had two great pictures of Yo-Yo Ma, and they're not in the book, I thought they were. And when we played Tanglewood with James Taylor uh -huh. and um, Carol King, Yo-Yo came and played, and I said, come on, you gotta give me the finger, and he pulls out a big scissor, and he's going like this, pretending he's cutting his finger. I was like, no, I want you to give me the finger, don't give me your finger, just give me the goddamn finger. And it was, it was great, it was really great. Um, but I'm suddenly looking at pictures like Vince Gill and Garth Brooks, a bunch of people that aren't in the book. Um, so we're doing something special now that is still in the planning stage, but there'll be like some bonus things and things like that. So it's been an adventure, plus every day I'm, I'm going to the post office mailing these. And I've had some amazingly horrible experiences. Like what? Like, well, my wife, one of her best friends lives in Athens. Okay. Athens, um, Greece. Greece. So okay. she she ordered three books, I think. Um, I so can't even I, imagine what the postage well, is to Athens, Greece. Well, I shipped them to her. Everything was was great. They were yeah. in major lockdown in Greece. Right. So it got to Greece, and um, they never delivered them. They were sitting in the post office for over a month and a half. Oh God! And then she finally, and they were in serious lockdown, but she finally went out, went to the post office, and said. I've been expecting what's going on. They said, oh, nobody picked them up. We sent them back. So suddenly I've got the books back again after like, you know, like $400 worth of postage oh or something. And, and then we, I, I reimbursed everything on it. And then we FedExed them to her because she wanted them. And she yeah. just said, fine, I, got, I can't go. And I had somebody in Iceland write to me and they said they went to pick theirs up at the post office. And the box was totally crushed and soaking wet. Oh. You know, and they're but they're all calling me. Right. Going, right so what what can you do about this? And and I'm suddenly going, I, I need to make a t-shirt that says I was not made for retail. <laughs> man, so, you, so, you just, have, so you have to deal with that? I'm dealing with everything. I am customer service. Yes. Um I I, I created a website for it. And I went to see if just like at leonslar.com. Right. Gone. Somebody owned it. I went to get leeslar.com. Gone. Somebody somebody probably got these domains assuming that someday I may need them. And then, and then they have to buy them. I'd have to buy it. So I said, the hell with that. So my website is leonslarsbeard.com. <laughs> now, so if, if, you go, if you go on the website, the book is there, yeah. and you, they, they can order the book. It's 60 bucks okay. just for the book, or $80 personalized sign. Um, and also on there, I did t-shirts. So I now have t-shirts that have my beard on the front of the t-shirts. Just your Just beard. my beard. So I've got all these pictures. That, it uh, must not be a white t-shirt. It's a black t-shirt okay. with, with a white beard. And so all these people are sending me pictures of them all walking around with my beard. Oh, on their shirt. And then that. I was a graphic artist in, in school, that. so I've got yes. all my artwork is on, on the website too. We've got it all in really high-end, limited number of fine art prints. So I've been busy as hell. You know, and this is what I'm I want to talk to you about. You are a rascal, I'm a rascal. because you- And you feed me so well. <laughs> While you're talking, I'm gonna well, eat yeah, a shit. Eat, eat. Um, I want to go just look and see um, who's saying hi to you. See, they say 22 people are watching. It's just not possible, Lee. It's just too annoying. That's too many it's, people. Yeah. <laughs> hi, Rob. Hi, John. Hi, Toby. Um, yeah. It, hi, Toba. Oh, wait. There's a lot more people. I don't know. If you guys are asking questions, I'm not... Uh, oh, God. All right. Hi, Maria. Take your time and, and do that. I'm not going anywhere. All right. He's going to eat. I'm going to... Let me just say hi to I'm him. I'm just going to dig you. Uh, you're just gonna dig me. You know, 
It's so fitting for you. You know, Lee and I have not known each other long. I met you the first time at that um, benefit concert. God. What Stephen Bishop was on. And yeah. Was no, for, for, um, oh, God, I'm, I'm lucky. He just I went guess. through a, a medical procedure yes. this week. Oh, really? Yeah. He's doing okay. Oh, good. It was some kind of a thing for brain function. And, and John Gillerton um, was the musical director, yeah. and it was a fantastic. I mean, Dionne yeah. Warwick was great. Chaka Khan came. It was fantastic. And you were there? And I was there. Yes. I just kind of threw myself at you when yeah. you came out of the green room. <laughs> I had to meet you because, you know, I played bass for five minutes. I know. And, you know, you're my hero, heroine. <laughs> so I'm your heroine, and, and we never did drugs. We'll talk about that too. Yeah. But but um, but anyway, we, we met again. I think it was at a Jeff um, Young gig. Yeah. Um, at Molly Malone's, yeah. and it wasn't that long ago. No. But I was like, please. Yeah, I was with Postel. Postel, and, yes. And um, I don't know if Steve was on that gig. Yeah, he actually. was. He was on he that was. gig. And. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was yeah. fabulous. And um, anyway, so I invited me to come, and he was—you were so warm. You were so, you were so friendly. You, you didn't I'm know. Desperate for attention. No, you didn't know. I'm a bass player. You didn't know. <laughs> the bass player gets the girls. That's right. It's the really? Drum. I don't know. Every musician says it's the other one. The drummers say it's the guitar. Yeah, I usually get the guys that come up and go, "What kind of strings do you use, man?" Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, you get the nerds. Get me out of here, so anyway, you were just lovely and, and agreeable and willing, and the world was open then, and you yeah. had a lot going on, and yeah. you made the time, and we had so much fun, and we just became really fat. I mean, it was genuinely like just... And we're almost fun. neighbors, I don't know, we live about right. 15 minutes away from here. That's so right. I could have walked here. <laughs> I would have crawled here for this show. <laughs> but so it's fitting that it was one of the, not the last shows, but it, it was... Yeah. Um, was it a year before the lockdown, or was it right before? It was before. I think it was, it was a year before. It might have been the year before, because you were still doing your... Right, you were going into and these and things yeah. a few times and stuff yeah. like that. And in Those fact, were great. You were scheduled to play. I know. Right when we got closed down. You yeah. were going to play with um, Judith. Judith Owen and then yeah. with Pe um, Pedro yeah. Segundo. Yeah. Fantastic, I love them both. Oh, God, no. It's great that they've both done this with you. It's really wonderful. No. Well, they've done this. Yeah, I'm right? not the one-on-one, yeah. one, but... But yeah, they, they did the one-on-one. -on -one. They haven't done played yet. No, but didn't they? Weren't they virtual? They were virtual. Yeah. They I, had mean, I mean, you know, they, they weren't able to actually be here with you guys. Exactly. Were doing exactly. And and so, but what I I want to talk to you about your level of COVID stuff, also what you've managed to accomplish. I mean, what I wanted to say about this yeah. book is that this was an idea when you were here. Yeah. The last time. Yeah. You knew you wanted to do it. But yeah. you had nothing in the world. You had nothing. I just had pictures. Had I, pictures. I had no. There was nothing. There was just. I'm going to show you one last picture. Now. Okay, cool. Really? So what I want to know from you, Lee, is yes, you made it happen, and you made it happen quick. It only took me <laughs> 13 years to get mine out, but um, but I did. Finishing is what's important. This is one of my favorite oh, shots. Merle, Merle Haggard, Chris Christopherson, and Willie okay, Nelson all together. But those are my parents on the other page. Oh, wait a minute. That's my folks. Oh, no, and then flipping the bird. Absolutely. I love it. So, wow, that, that's like history over there. Yeah, we did the Grammy Awards, and, um, and the uh, guys were on it. We played with those guys when they were doing kind of the highwayman. Right, right. We right. visited. And, uh, 
And I had done albums with all of them individually, but to be working with all three of them, I just lined them up and said, come on, guys, do it. And then, needless to say, they have no problem giving you the finger. Um, but I do, I, I do miss Merle. Merle. Mm -hmm. I had the best story about Merle. No, let's hear it. Okay, I'll set this down. So, by the way, that's my copy that I'm buying from Lee. Yes. And for you to buy your copy, you go to... LelandSlarsBeard.com. And, and please, if you do that and you want it personalized, put in what you want. I'll pay the extra twenty. God damn no, it! No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking to them. Those people. Those people. We got this. I mean, this is twenty dollars worth of chips. <laughs> um, so I, I had done a number of projects with Merle over the years, and I was doing one of his albums in Nashville, and he's got, had one of the greatest voices in country oh. music, and, and when he was young. Major stud. I mean, the guy was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so first. At, at what point did you? How? When did you first meet him? Um, I, for me, I think probably the first album I did with him was probably in the eighties, okay. where like you know back in the sixties he was like unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so the first day we're in the studio and he doesn't sound that good, but he was real healthy, drinking water. He just remarried, had a new baby, and all this oh, stuff wow. in his life. He'd been married a bunch of times. Uh huh. Um, so I was kind of going, oh, okay, that's whatever. So I don't know what's going on. And the next morning, I came in early. I wanted to check some gear out. And he had already been in for like an hour and a half early, replacing all his vocals from the previous day. And they really? sounded great. And I go, Merle, yesterday, kind of, it sucked. Today, really great. What changed? And he looks at me and he goes, my singing teeth arrived. And he had worn the wrong dentures. How, how old was he then? Um, you know, probably... I don't know when he died, he might have been in 80-something. So he's probably in his late 60s or 70s. And he was already wearing the dentures. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, wow. you live a hard life, things happen. You know? He did live but, a hard life. So he, I looked at him and I said, I don't think I'll ever hear that again in the studio. I think that's, it, 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 it's a one-off in the same way. In the same way when I was in the studio, I, I did two albums with Andy Griffith. Okay, that he actually had a very nice. Oh, he had a nice voice. He brought his guitar that he played on Mayberry with him. He was in. He would. He was into contemporary gospel. He was very religious man, and he really like. And he won a Grammy that the year we did it. Wow. He won a Grammy for best gospel. Wow. But we were sitting in the studio talking, and this was like after Matlock and all that. Right. And he still had his thick white hair. He looks over and he goes. Who would have thought I'd still have all this big white hair and Opie be bald? <laughs> you know, it's just those that's, kind of moments you, you a, live for. That is a great and Andy was Andy was a smart cookie. He, was uh, he? he uh, when, we came, <laughs> when we finished the album, before it was ever released, he went on QVC with it and talked oh. about the old show and all, sold a million albums before he ever released it. That By was, being on he was such a huge star. I mean, yeah. who didn't watch? I mean, you watched. I was didn't free, you? I was. I watch. Still watch it every day. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's. There's. Come it, on. It's to be seen. No. I every morning. I when I get up in the morning, I, I watch back to back. Leave it to Beavers. Eight and eight thirty on me TV. At night, wow. I'm, I'm watching Alfred Hitchcock and, and Twilight Zone and Perry Mason. Oh my God, Ken oh. Osmond, uh, Eddie Haskell was in the living room. Uh, he actually invited me for a drink. That was yeah, he passed. Yeah, yeah. he was quite the character. Yeah. You know, he was nothing like Eddie Haskell. No, though. he's a good actor though. That's that's for sure. Because that was when you see those kids on that show, they were really good actors. They were wonderful. Yeah. I, I I would like to get Tony Dow. I, he's I, great. I, he's a, a sculptor. 
He is, and he's yeah, very talented. Yeah, I bought one of his pieces. Do you really? Yeah, I bought it at a, 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 an auction wow. um, for Canine Companions. I bought a couple of things there, and one of them was his, and one of my most cherished possessions. Yeah. Um, only uh, Allie Willis never wrote out her lyrics, but September was inducted into the uh, Library of Congress, so she hand wrote it out. Well, I talked her into doing a second handwriting of it, and I had, nobody bid on it at this auction, so I ended up buying it. And it's a big frame, and it's got the top is two panels, and it's her handwritten lyrics. I was just going to say, I don't know if I, 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 I don't know if I know her handwriting. But I mean, she was an artist, though. Yeah. But, but it's just, it's just beautiful to see that. Yeah. And then there's a picture of her, and then there's a certificate from the Library of Congress. Oh, and, it, and I got it just before she passed, and she was like, "Oh, this will be brand. Come over to the house and see it anytime." And then she was gone. She was gone, so, so we, we had plans to go eat chicken. Yeah, we, we I chicken. loved Allie so much. Me too. Um, so that was, that was, that Did was. you ever work together? Oh, yeah. What yeah. did you work together on? Um, I don't remember. Oh. I don't remember anything. But okay, we, so we were such good friends, though. Just for kitsch and stuff, we, absolutely. we shared collecting. It was a big comment. I didn't know you collected oh. kitsch. Oh, God. Do you have a collection Mount. like Allie's? Oh, it's mountains. She would always come over and freak out at the house. I did not know oh, this because yeah. I've seen Allie's. Yeah, full different, different. But I mean, I've got a lot of this same kind of stuff. Like because like she would have the lunch boxes. And yeah. She had the 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 chairs from her high school that she sat in. The yeah. one she sat in, in like the row. Um, so what what kind of kitchen? What's your your passion in kitchen? Everything. I mean, <laughs> no, really, literally, I've, I've got everything from Majelica to German carp. You know. 1800s hall tree bears, um, uh, neon vending machines. Um, <laughs> I mean, all, and toys. Is it, do you have a part of your house, or is it everywhere? The whole house, and oh. then the basement is like a, a, a fun house. That's <laughs> yeah, all kinds of stuff. Um, we're frozen over here. I'm assuming we're not frozen over there, right, Samantha? No. Okay, good. Um, uh, Rick Smoky, hi Rick. Rick's my Rick was the printer who offered to do your book. Oh, you, that's you, right. That's right. Yeah. But um, but Rick is on. Hi Rick. Rick hi is, Rick. Rick's the one who didn't do my book, but he did all of, all of my stuff. We'll talk in volume two. Do, do you have a, do you have a bookmark? Do you have bookmarks? No. Okay. See now, I have bookmarks for my book. Oh. I bet you Rick would be happy to make you bookmarks for your book. So you're gonna put him on the spot here. It would, I know it will be his pleasure to do this. Do, do I still get to cuddle with him? <laughs> I think you still get Whatever to cuddle. Whatever it takes. I think you still get to cuddle. I, and you, they just have to be very long. Thank so you. that people can... <laughs> if the shoe fits. So that, so that they can put it at their favorite picture. Yeah. Or maybe they get a couple of them yeah. so they can put it... In yeah, it's, there's more. so many pages. I mean, it, it's really a thick book. So... If there's things you want to find, it's it's sometimes you go, oh, God. There's no table of contents, I no. assume. No, and no, and no pages are numbered. This no is, pages This are is really just a big book of humanity. I love that. Well, so all the more that you need a bookmark, so that if somebody yeah. really wants. Yeah. So, what's your favorite story of somebody that you got to give you the finger that you were that? Tell me a couple stories of things that just happened with people out in the world. Um, well, one of my favorite one of my favorite pictures in there um, is a lady named Stelita. Okay. And she and her sister Clara, they're biological sisters, and they were also sisters. They were both nuns. 
And so I, and, and they were my, they were my wife's mother's cousins. So, so, okay. so, so I got Stolita was happy to give me the finger and, and Clara was depressed because her arthritis was too bad and she couldn't, but Stolita goes, I was a high school principal, I had no problem giving you the finger. And, so, and then I was doing a, a project, there's a picture in here that's so out, we were doing a project, I can't remember, it might have been Bernie Williams um, from the Yankees. Um, but it was one of the sports projects. Right. We're a, guy, a friend of mine, Tally Sherwood studio in, in uh, kind of Burbank area. And uh, we're, we took a break and we were sitting outside eating lunch on, on, on Victory Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And I see this guy come walking down the street. And he looked like a, a, an extra from The Sopranos. He had a lot of gold chains and these big shades and all this crap and smoking. But with this huge fake stuffed tiger over his shoulders. <laughs> And I looked at the guys and I just said, I gotta get this guy. Then I ran up to him and I said, there's a picture of this guy flipping me off. Yeah, do you know why he had a stuff? No idea, I didn't even want to know. You know, there's certain, but I remember I would find like, I found three like winos. Yeah. And I went to get them. Did you put them together? They were already together. They were already together. But, um, but when I got their picture, they, they thought it was a cop. Oh, and they're like, you? Undercovered. They're like, they're like surfing all this thing. I said, no, I'm not a cop. Fine, just come on, flip me off. And so these guys, you know, they're all drinking. And they're all like, uh, it's all, you know, the thing is that this really is all about humanity. Mm -hmm. So it, it's like when when I did The Tonight Show, that's when I got Paula Dean, Matthew McConaughey. Who did you do The Tonight Show with? Um, I did it so many times. It might have been with Lyle. I did it so many times. No, we did, over the years we did it many, many times. So I think it might have been like Lyle Lovett or so something cool. like that. But I've got Jay Leno is in there and Matthew McConaughey was on that show and um, and Paula Dean and I got Paula's husband also I forget his name um, but um, when I look through it really actually one of the hardest things about this book for me is how many people have passed that are in the book I mean a lot really? of people over the years I mean there's I could have done a whole memoriam section in this book wow. um, and, and I it had wow. no intention for me. It's a personal thing when I go through the book and I'm, right. I'm seeing all these people. And I'm just going. I'm so glad I got them. Yes. You know, I mean, it's just like they're they're in there for posterity. So now you continue to take these pictures, I assume, oh, I, as yeah. you go through life. Yeah. So there probably will be a volume two at some point. I'm guessing. Uh, there there may be so much work. So much work. Yeah. Um, but I mean, publishers had talked to me about mm -hmm. it, but the thing is, if a publisher like Tashin or somebody did it. You get no money. You get no money. It would have been like you do your work, turn it over, you get a check for you something. Get, you get two bucks a book. Yeah. Three bucks a book. Yeah. yeah. So I decided at this point, I, I, I was yeah. concerned about breaking even. So mm -hmm. I broke even on it. And if I sell, I think, eight, eight autograph books a month, it pays for the storage facility. So I can do this for the long term. And I'm talking to some people about... As soon as things open up, like uh, the guy who takes care of the immediate family when we go to Japan wants me to ship him books to put in Tower Records and stuff over there in, in Japan. There is Tower Records stuff? There's lots of Tower Records in Japan. Wow. And also the biggest biggest Tower Records I've ever been in is in Bogota, Colombia. No it's shit! It's a fantastic store. Wow. So we, I mean, we kind they of got just, a lot of money over there. Well, they do. They do. Yeah. And we, everything here just always goes down the crapper. It seems, you know, it's going great and then all of a sudden things go south and it's gone. Right. And I go to other places and you think it's over and you go, oh no, it's not over, it's just over for us. Wow, um, that's interesting. So, but, but Kaz in Japan said, look, 
I don't want to get the books now because because the stores are still basically closed. Is Japan? They're still kind of locked down. Yeah. Oh yeah, they've done it oh. real, real hard. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Um, and then I'm talking to some other people about getting distribution in Europe because the problem is, like, if you buy a sixty dollar book and you want to send it to Germany, it's seventy five dollars to mail it. Unbelievable. So I'm trying to find distribution over there where I can just ship over like. Uh, you know, a couple of pallets, maybe send a thousand books over right. in, a district, in a fulfillment center. Right. And uh, so I'm working on, on these things. It's just, this is an area I never dreamed I'd be dealing with. And well, you were too sudden, busy playing. Yeah, I had, a, I had a life. But you know, but the thing about it is, Lee, what you turn lemon into lemonade, that yeah. old expression, yeah, because we were in a pandemic and yeah. you couldn't play. Yeah. So you found something productive to do that makes people happy. That is That's what I really wanted out of it, was just to put a smile on people's faces because it's such a dark time. Mm -hmm. And so between that, doing a YouTube channel, which was a total accident. Okay, let's talk about because I know Tristan's been looking at it. Let's talk about your YouTube channel and how that was born and what, and is it going to continue to oh, be? Okay, so tell us absolutely. about the YouTube channel. Um, when we finished Phil Collins' last tour, it was mm -hmm. called a Not Dead Yet Tour. What year was and that? that was, um, it was about three years ago we finished okay. that. Uh huh. And <laughs> that's a very cute title. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. And that's his autobiography. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's a whole other thing with him. Did you think he's dead? Well, you know, people just, if you're not there in, in everybody's face all the time, you know, they, they just don't think about you and all of a sudden. So he came back. And, and the thing was, he, he at this point is slightly infirmed. He's had some back surgeries and stuff. Mm -hmm. So he does the whole, he did the whole he show sitting on a stool. Can't play drums anymore. So his son's just playing his son, yeah. okay. mm -hmm. uh, But Phil does the whole show sitting on a stool. Wow. Well, we were still selling out 80,000 seat stadiums and stuff. Like wow. that. So I mean, it's like, I think they're concerned with would people accept him as being, as being a frail, older version of himself. And man, they went berserk kind of thing. Is so, his voice still? It's it's not what it once was, but very few of the singers of that That's at true. that age have that. I mean, we lowered a couple of keys mm -hmm. in, in the set. And also, it's one of those things Phil commented. We were talking about this once, where he said, "You know, I forget when I'm recording a song. That's the only song I have to do that day, so I can have it in that key and be it." We go on the road, that three-hour show. Right. You know, you're Does doing, he do a three-hour show? Uh, we would do two and a half to three-hour shows. Wow. And so you get up and do that, and all of a sudden, that song, it's a strain. So you go, let's just drop it a whole step or right. a step or something. Do a few of those just to ease the burden of it. Right. So, so at the end of the tour, I had some couple of people were writing to me, bass players, going, we saw the show. It was amazing. You know, the, the, Our front house got us amazing. And they said, it sounded like a CD out front. Um, they said, there were just some detail things we couldn't hear in the bass part, because bass can tend to get right. lost in these right. cavernous facilities. Um, so I, I decided, I, I called Michelle Collin, who was our front of house mixer, and I had him send me a show, which was from Adelaide, Australia. And I put it in my lap. Yeah, from, mm -hmm. the, from the tour we just were okay. doing. Mm -hmm. So I put it in my laptop, mm -hmm. and actually I have my little Bose speaker, I brought it along here. Um, I plugged it, nice. plugged it into that, mm -hmm. and, and I have a little bass amp that sits next to me. So what I decided to do was take the first song of the show and play it, but I mixed it so that the bass was louder than the track, so right. you could hear every note and things. So I talked about it and, and went through the whole show. Every day I did another song from it and got through the whole show. And then I was kind of sitting there, and, and by the third song, people started writing me going, we love your YouTube channel. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and I go, 
They go, no, you've got a new YouTube channel. I go, I have no idea what, I didn't think I was creating a channel. I was just showing some examples of songs. So you were just putting videos I was just putting up. them up on YouTube. And all of a sudden, it became a channel. Oh, and what a channel it is. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, How many subscribers I think there's 156,000 right now. <laughs> um, I, I, it's about 1,000 a week joining it. Um, I mean, it's crazy. Do you TikTok? That's what I want to know. No. no you don't no, TikTok. And that's why I also did Twitter. Yeah. Because I just hate the, the, the word so much. Yeah. I just sounds just... Yeah. I, just, I can't... And plus, I'm way too long-winded to be, you know, just to be <laughs> concise. Lee's gotten kicked off Facebook. How many, how many times do you get kicked off? Uh, usually 150 days a year. <laughs> yeah, he gets kicked I'm, off I'm, for his politics. They just yeah. kick him off. They just but I, have, off I have no politics on my YouTube channel. That's all about music. Right. Um, so we finished Phil, and I kind of went, Jesus, you know, what am I going to do now? Mm -hmm. So I started digging into my archives and pulled up like, I did Jackson Brown's um, uh, Doc in My Eyes, um, uh, went through all these, Linda, Ronstadt, mm -hmm. and Carol King, and, and all of a sudden I, I've put a, a minimum of one video every single day since March 23rd of, of the last year. Fantastic. And um, I get up every day thinking about it and like, who should I visit today? And, and so how much time do, does that take of your day to, to do that each day? Probably between an hour, an hour and a half. So that's, that's a no, pretty it's, big commitment. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a chunk. I do try to get it done in the morning so that the people, uh, like in the UK and, and Europe, Still can have it for the evening. They right. don't have to wait till the next morning. <laughs> um, but it's it's really a challenge. And, and I would say probably two-thirds of my videos I play along on. And then there's a lot that... The magic that happened in the studio when we made that record can't be reproduced. Mm -hmm. And I just go, look, I'd rather be an audience and just hang with you guys. And I tell them who was on the thing, what studio we were. Can you at. give us an example of a song where magic happened in the studio that you wouldn't try to replicate? Almost all of them, but real ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's so you're an in the moment guy. Well, I absolutely am. I mean, my my perform. I've never played anything twice the same way. So it's that magic that happens but a lot of things like doctor my eyes I you know I, I i could i play along with that and a lot of james taylor stuff but if i if when i put up gene like Clark's, the hit, no, hits that yeah. people are expecting well there's a lot of that but i also have been trying to dig into the deep tracks Ooh, nice. of things because everybody knows that stuff but like one of the great albums i got to work on was no other by gene clark who was mm -hmm. the singer of the birds mm -hmm. and it was like it's one of these cult underground things but on the, on the title track on that, I think I have six basses on it where they had me overdubbing fuzz bass and, and octave stuff. So almost the entire thing. So there's no way I could sit there and right. show this off. So I said, right. just dig it. But it's funny when I look back, my very first videos were probably on an average about four minutes long. Mm -hmm. And I'm now I think I'm averaging 30 minutes a video. <laughs> of course you so are. So there's so many stories and stuff to tell about. That's so wonderful. So I'm having fun with that. It's just Leland Sklar channel, whatever they, you know, on YouTube. It's just great because you're archiving your history. Yeah. And which is like the fabric, as they say, of our lives, pretty well, much. Well, the thing also was, I mean, I did this book, but I've been bugged for years of people saying, you've got to do an autobiography. Mm -hmm. And I have no intention of ever doing that. That doesn't interest me in the least to do that. Um, but doing this, I'm kind of doing yeah. one, but I'm, I'm doing one about the stuff that really is meaningful. You're, doing, me. it, you're doing it your way. Yeah, and, and one of the things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into is um, every year we do this gig at the Library of Congress. Now, we couldn't do it last year, and we couldn't do it this year because of the pandemic. Right. But it's called We Write the Songs. Uh -huh. 
and uh, it's it's put on by ASCAP, mm -hmm. and um, and Paul Williams is the president of ASCAP. Who's, yeah, Paul, Paul's in the, in the book. living room. Paul's in the book. Paul. Same size in the book as he is in the living room. <laughs> I mean, I, and I've been, I just I just did Paul two days ago. Uh, wow. Didn't do Paul. I, 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 I had him on the channel. You have a channel? I, I, uh, no, but oh. I did. I did. I've done a lot of recordings with Paul over oh, the years. But this gig. By the way, when he's saying rainy days and Mondays in this living room and told oh, us the wow. story behind it, which, you know, it was written for his mother. Yeah. Um, and told the story and saying it, Paul doesn't have the best voice in the world. I have never heard it. No version of that song is better. There's a the magic people. that happens when the writer mm -hmm. does it. In the same way, when we did this, this um, we write the songs, mm -hmm. and one of the guys who, who what, the premise of it is, they bring in about six to eight are the composers uh -huh. and they talk Such about the songs. Um, Randy Newman, Jimmy oh. Webb, um, yeah. Hart, mm -hmm. Lyle Lovett, mm -hmm. um, one of the greatest guys, I can't remember his name now, but he wrote the Banana Boat song for Harry Belafonte, it's like in his 90s. Banana, um, I want to mm -hmm. go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, wow, so, he's so, 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 yeah, so, yeah, he's passed away now, but, but the thing was, what they would do is we have a, a, a house band for it. So okay. Do, do you know Chris Caswell? I know that name. Yeah, he's I a keyboard player and he's oh. done all kinds of stuff. Oh. Um, he's the MD on it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go back, like Dean Parks and I go back. It's his baby that gave the finger, correct? Yeah. I seem to recall you telling yeah. that yeah, story. Yeah, it was, it was okay. Chris's ultra, ultra seven. Mm -hmm. um, oh, ultra seven, yeah. Um, but like Omar Hakim back in, in New York, he'll come in and play drums. We've got just a great band to do this. So each one of those people does like maybe two or three songs mm -hmm. in it. They tell stories, and it's all like senators and stuff, and it's all really basically doing things to protect songwriters. So mm -hmm. it's so ASCAP puts it on, mm -hmm. and um, but I'm trying to remember where the hell I started. Um, what was that? Where were we going with this story? Oh God, well, uh, I don't know. Senior moment. I know. Um, uh, you were talking about uh, Paul Williams. Well, and the songwriter doing their own songs. That's oh yeah. Okay. okay. Okay, so thank you. On one of the one of the last ones we did, though, um, Don Schlitz did it. Now, Don wrote The Gambler. Oh, wow. Kenny Rogers uh -huh. did. I always thought when Kenny did it, it was a novelty too. Mm -hmm. You know, got to know him. Right. This guy sang it, and we were all going, "Holy crap! This really? is a great song." Wow. We heard it in a whole totally different way. And when Paul does his songs, I mean, he's not the best singer. In the same way, Carol Bayer Sagers. Not a great singer. Right. Carol King really isn't a great singer. Right. Well, but when they do their own but songs, Carol, it's, like kind of will. Tapestry is for no. me. It's it's a per. I mean, I know what you. Oh mean, no, no, but, but it's but, a perfect. But you're, you're not. But you're, I'm not going to say that about Burt Bacharach. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah, it's uh, different. And, and Hal, uh, the best was um, Hal David was a dear friend, and he was before Paul. He was the president of ASCAP, uh -huh. and he was probably eighty nine the last time we did this this gig with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they said, you know, you got to sing, you know, raindrops, or, you know, one of those songs. Right. And he was so nervous; he didn't want to get up there. And we just said, come on, Hal, come on, you got to do this. And Hal's in the book. Hal and Burt oh. are both in and Eunice. Hal's <laughs> wife is in the book too. Um, but it was just great because when we finally finished the song and everybody's going crazy, Hal comes back and he goes, let's go on the road. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was like, he, he, was, he was all boned up. He was ready to rock. It was like, he was the sweetest guy. Um, but it's always like, like um, uh, what was his name? Um, Mandel. Um, 
He just passed away. He was one of the well, great I know it's not artists. Howie. Who is actually yeah. my gynecologist. My gynecologist's name is Howie Mandel. It's a little disconcerting. Oh, um, Mandel. Uh, I don't know who you mean. Johnny Mandel. Okay. He's a great composer. Okay. And uh, he did it. And, and, and I mean, there's, it, this is an amazing gig. And every time I do it, we all just sort of sit there going, wow. So tell me some more of those wows, Lee, because that's something we haven't talked about before. I mean, I, I remember asking you, because you have done 2,000 plus albums, yeah. 2,000, some of those are not people that you would choose necessarily to do the second album with, yeah. right? If once you, occasionally. Occasionally. Not often. Not often? Rarely. 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 I mean, every time you walk in the studio, you can make it a really good experience. The artist may not be... You know your favorite artist you've ever worked with, but the band may have been great, and we just mm -hmm. had a great time. Uh -huh. you know, I mean, there's there's things that go on in there that transcend, you know, the artist kind of situation. One of the best moments. Oh, this was great. Um, Taylor Hicks won American Idol. Lauren Gold was yeah. his musical director. Really? Yeah, with Taylor. Taylor? Hicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Um, we were working up at Matt Serletic's studio after he won, after, after Taylor won. We saw won. him. Uh, Samantha, I took Samantha to see Taylor Hicks. Yeah. On the American Idol tour, which was a little bit. Okay, yeah, because yeah. he went on to do it. He was like doing a road company of Greece or something oh, like really? that afterwards. Mm -hmm. But the thing that was great was, so we're in the studio doing his album after mm -hmm. he won. And Julie Chen from, I think, Channel 2 mm -hmm. in the morning, the morning show on CBS. She's the girlfriend, isn't she? Yeah. Of Lee, or whatever. Uh, yeah. Bless. Giant bucks. Bless him this. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Okay. So she comes to do the, the brings a film crew and they're going to film Taylor in there. Well, my wife was out of town and at that point I was down to one Basset Hound. And, I, and, <laughs> oh. and oh, God, which one did I have? Um, Buckaroo was my Basset Hound. He was old at this point. And I, and I told him, I said, I can do the session, but if this is out in Woodland Hills on Basset. I said, I got to bring my dog with me. But I said, it'll be cool. I'm just He'll lay on his pad. So I come in there and I set the pad down next to my base rig and everything. And, and Buckaroo just comes walking, looks everybody, lays down, passes up. Well, <laughs> Taylor Hicks is all pumped up and he's ready to be interviewed. And Julie Chen gloms on to Buckaroo. And she's just, every, like the guys are like, okay, we're going to go to Taylor, but we'll do a cutaway from <laughs> hop along her. I think it was hop along. And, and so you got the camera down there and she's on the floor with him and I see Taylor over there just starting to steam at this really? point. Because he's supposed to be all the attention and she's freaking out over the dog. Oh god. And it was it was just great. I'm just sitting there going, man, kids and pups, you know, kids you're screwed, you're you know, this is good. So it was so sweet. And uh, and another one of those kind of dog moments. I remember we were doing a movie at um, Western Recorders back in the early 70s mm -hmm. and one of the great keyboard players in this town was Mike Melvoin and his daughter was one of the um, girls who worked with Prince oh, um, wow. Gary Coleman and Mike Melvoin's daughters mm -hmm. were um, Lisa and I forget their names now uh, Wendy and Lisa mm -hmm. and uh, so his daughter was but Mike was like a monstrous great keyboard player well mm -hmm. he had just gotten a basset hound puppy named Ludwig mm -hmm. And he brought him to the session there. We're in there with a full orchestra mm -hmm. in their big room and everything, and all this stuff. Ludwig sound asleep under the piano and everything's really cool. All of a sudden, the French horns start playing. And every primal instinct in Ludwig, <laughs> and this little puppy just gets up. <gasps> and Mike's trying to play, and he's like, quiet. And I look at him, and the engineer's going, 
<laughs> soloing, trying to think of, and we finally had to stop the, the, the tape, you know, just because his primal instincts, were, he was on the hunt. And Jerry Barnes was the manager there at, at Western, so we took Ludwig up and we kept him in the office while we were recording. But, I mean, the things that go on in the studio can be so, the music's easy. That's, music's easy. Yeah, it's music's easy. So I remember the last time I asked you um, what surprises you, because sometimes you go in and you don't really know who the artist well, is. Yeah, like rarely. Rarely know. Yeah. Okay. So you told me one story. You told me you can uh, quickly tell us about Barry Williams, because you, I mean, no, Bernie Williams, because you've told yeah. us that story in the year before. But for those who didn't He's get to hear it, but for those who didn't get to hear it, well, I mean, that was great. Bernie Williams um, was the center field for the New York Yankees, had four World Series rings, mm -hmm. a monstrous, great guitar player, composer. Like serious? Serious. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, when he was and growing up... And and trained. Yeah, when he grew up in Puerto Rico, he was a music student. Mm -hmm. But he had a gift for baseball, and somebody saw him playing baseball, and they signed him, and he spent his entire career with the Yankees. Now, one of those guys had 10 teams. In right. And... Uh, so, but when we walked in the studio, it was Tim Pierce and Kenny Aronoff and myself. We went oh, back to I New York. Kenny. Yeah, Kenny's great. And um, so we were back there, and Bernie came in mm -hmm. as soon as he took his guitar. Because I've done a lot of vanity projects with people, you know, actors and stuff that all want to, and you go, fine, whatever. If you're happy, like, it's just, it's, it's all And good. you're cool with that. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're living a dream. And if you can partake in somebody's dream, it's a win. I mean, have you ever just, like, gone... Oh yeah, you cringe sometimes. Because yeah, they can't sing sometimes. Yeah, they can't, but but, but they're but they're having the time of their life. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to, you know, right make, on that's our, it's that's the only time they're ever gonna be in the studio. Has anybody who was cringeworthy asked you to come back to do the second album? Um, most of those kind of people that are cringeworthy are doing it in a situation where they're probably never going to have a second album. They're doing, yeah. they're living out a dream. Yeah. But one of my favorite moments like that of surprise in the studio okay. was we had a rhythm section that was Mike Baird and David Foster and myself mm -hmm. and I think Jay Graydon. We did all the filmation cartoon shows, Groovy Ghoulies, Jabber Jaws, um, Archies and all those things. Mm -hmm. We did them at Larrabee Studios down on Santa Monica Boulevard in mm -hmm. Boys Town. Mm -hmm. They were kind of right in that area near San Vincente. And we were, we were all in the studio one day. We got you know called. Steve Dorff did that stuff. Um, and we're sitting there assuming we're doing another cartoon show. Door opens. Ted Knight walks in. Okay, so at the height of Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're yeah. bouncing up. And, and, he, and he was doing an album as Ted Baxter. It what? was called Hi Guys. I've got it at home. And we were doing like, we did like Pinball Wizard and Blueberry. Nobody was singing it all the way. Oh, like Ted Baxter. <laughs> I mean, did but, it sell copies? Oh, I probably did. Or it's oh, one of those yeah. funny cult albums. Right. But he was the sweetest guy. Was we had he? the best time with him. And, and, and I always look back on those kind of projects. Like, I remember in the same room doing a Jim Neighbors album. And Jim now, was Jim, okay, so now, delightful. But now, Jim Neighbors had a legit voice. Oh, I mean, he was a great He really, had the legit yeah, voice. Yeah. I mean, because that was really kind of his passion, right? Was yeah. Sing. Well, his passion was, was singing, and then he bought a lot of land in uh, Hawaii, and I think he was raising either pineapples or avocados. He oh. had a massive plantation. He was like kind of. Not opera, but he was... Yeah, like light opera. Yeah. He had a real yeah, legit... Really, and very... Yeah, baritone. Yeah. But that was the thing that was so great about him, was, you know, he had this Gomer Pyle character. Right. And, I mean, I think it was on, like... 
either Carol Burnett show or Gary Moore show, or one of those early yeah. shows where um, where he first friend. appeared, yeah. and he came out of this hayseed character, and then all of a sudden they have him sing, and you go, what the hell? I mean, people would just kind of go, what the hell? Just I remember happened? the first time I heard him sing yeah. on TV. It was like, who It's almost like a dubbed voice. I know, it's crazy. Yeah. Do you um, have any questions? Anybody ask All right, um, let's go and see if there's any questions in the house. All right, let's see. Everybody's just uh, sending you. Let's see, they're saying 20, you know. Uh, don't, 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 don't really get me started. There's got to be some recourse at Facebook. To take care because it's, it's obvious to me that judging by the people I talk to, you have at least 14 or 15 million people watching right now. So this is ridiculous. At least 14. Does the book have people flipping the bird? What? Does, oh, does the whole book? Yes. Yeah. The whole Every book picture is, is, is somebody flipping the bird. Um, and it's all good spirit. There's nothing mean in the book. It's all fun, and everybody was thrilled to do it. Jim says, I was just watching your video for today and sought out... This one, great page. I don't know what that means. I would need more detail. Just was watching your video for today and sought out this one, great page. I don't know what that means. I'm not sure unless it was that, maybe I, maybe that I mentioned I was going to be here. Maybe, and so maybe he's checking well, out Well, welcome aboard. This is great. I'm <laughs> to be here. And so Rick is here. Always good to see Lee. Yes, and Rick, you're going to make Lee some bookmarks because I already committed you. He gives me permission to commit them now. Absolutely. Um, Merle Travis. Ooh. Merle Haggard. Okay, they're correcting here. Um... Let's see. Oh, Allie Willis, yes. Yeah. Um, I would have gladly given you the finger. Yeah, I, I, I believe that that's... Uh, it's so much fun. Like when I'm at the NAMM show or anything, people come running at me like, <laughs> I'm supposed to do that, all right? Yeah, I mean, I can leave there with like 500 and, pictures a day. And everybody wants you to take a picture with them. Yeah. With you, yeah. I'm sure, flipping them the bird, right? Yeah. Um, people are... Surprise! Oh right! Surprise! 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 That was Jim Neighbors. Jim Neighbor Gomer. And the thing that was funny was I talked to um, Andy Griffith about that, and I said, "Oh man!" I said, "I did an album with with Jim Neighbors." I said, "It's just too bad we couldn't." If Don Knotts was a great singer, he could have done like the Three Bubba's. Because I was at the time of the Three Tenors. And, and he said, actually, Don had a very good voice. Did he really? Yeah. That's wild to know. Yeah. Um, Jim Neighbors was one amazing talented performer with a great comedy skills. Yes. Um, Lee, did Lee miss anybody he wished he would have gotten in the book? Um, I don't think so. Because if I would have seen them, I would have probably hit on them. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that's not in the book is politicians. I did not want to taint my book with politicians. And I had some really good opportunities. Even like the ones you like? Even the ones I like. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to go there. You didn't want to go there. Yeah, I didn't want to go there. It's the only thing that, that I, I... Have you met? Oh yeah, like we did when we played Washington. Don't tell me that you backed up politicians singing. Um, I, I think my car is I bet the fun stuff for me is like when I look back at working with people like Tom Wopat and you know John Schneider and all these actors, so many actors, you know, they had, or like when we did, um, the Dodgers won the World Series in 81 mm -hmm. and we went in the studio and cut Queens We Are the Champions <laughs> with the big blue wrecking crew and those guys were all hammered and just, they just won the World Series oh my God. and they were wanting to play like Wooly Bully and Fannie Mae, <laughs> and it was funny. It was me and Jeff Picaro and um, Chris Bond was producing it, and 
they brought in Helen Dell, who was the Dodger organist, to be on the day too. And she was the one the musician who copped an attitude. Really? And we're all going, like, all this, these players in this room, and the one who cops the attitude is Helen Dell. The, 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 I mean, she was a good organist for Dodger Stadium, but we're kind of going, what's your, what's your problem? It's like, what kind of attitude did she have? It was just oh. weird. It was just weird. Um, Jim asked if you stay in touch with James Dale and Carol King. Of course you do. Pretty much. I mean, Carol more than James. James mm -hmm. is, is more like, I just, in fact, I just wrote to Carol today and, and mm -hmm. talked to her because she was just, uh, she's being put in the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was just, she's in it as a songwriter with Jerry Goffin, but this is going to be her as an artist. Fantastic. Which is like you kind of go, it's like when you find about somebody getting their first star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame and you go, you haven't got one. They haven't got one now, but Mary Hart has one, you know, kind of thing. Does she? Oh, yeah. Well, oh because her husband. Well, and anybody that can pay, you can kind of you pay have your way into that. Yeah. It's a lot of politicking mm -hmm. to do that. But there are times where you, you hear these people or they go, man, it was, they got their first Grammy anymore. First Okay, Grammy? so now, wait a minute. This is wrong, though, because people like you can't really do it. Because you're, although, maybe, and we're going to start talking about the immediate family. Yeah. Maybe this might be a way. I don't care. It does. I know. I, I really know. don't give a crap about I, it. You know. You don't. You don't. You have everything. Else. Well, you the thing is, it, I mean, to me, it, the, music is not a contest. Mm -hmm. Just like art, any of the arts. Mm -hmm. That's what's hard to like watch the Academy Awards and stuff. You know, and they're going through the movies. You kind of like, they should just say, "Here's what we consider the best movies." No award or anything, just right. to present these things and, and, and deal with it. Because to me, there's enough contests. You're going to go play baseball or highlight or tossing the caber or whatever the hell you're going to do for school. Tossing the caber, yeah. Um, James Taylor threw that at Johnny Carson one night. Really? We were down in Johnny, we were doing the Tonight Show, and Johnny goes, So, are you into sports or anything you'd like to watch? And, and James is out of the top of his head, goes, I, I, I really love tossing the caber. And Johnny's just kind of looking at him going, what the, what the hell is this guy talking about? And that's where they take that giant pole and the guy runs with this, like a, like a, a telephone pole and throws it in the air. It's like part of the Highland Games and these guys are like throwing boulders as big as oh this. Oh my! So tossing the cabers. How far does it go? Not too far, not too but far. the fact you can even pick the damn thing up is a miracle. Uh, but James would always do all these real obtuse things like they'd say things that would leave the people kind of... What? That's fitting. <laughs> yeah. How, how much has James changed? I mean, because you know James pre-fame. You started yeah. working with yeah. James before Sweet Baby James, right? Yeah. And you went, and, and all of those years that he was a junkie yeah. and getting sober and doing, and, and then, I mean, he is beyond iconic. Yeah. I mean, there are probably five people in the world at James's level yeah. of, of, admiration, all of that, right? Um, how has, and you played with him through so much of it, so yeah. has he changed as a person? Well, when he started to change his gender, was kind of weird. <laughs> um, we were kind of like, no, don't, don't do that to somebody. You're not going to be that cute. Um, well, no, no, he, no he's, gone, he's gone through a, a, a lot of things over, over the course of his lifetime. Mm -hmm. The thing I always found remarkable with James is um, no matter kind of where his head was at, he never screwed up musically. We would do shows where he was so gone, yeah. never miss a note, never really? forget a word. Yeah, there was a there was a door in his in his mind. So his voice was always 
Yeah, never affected that. And he could be a total mess after the show, but that was years ago. And then he really devoted himself to cleaning up his act and mm -hmm. exercising and going to meetings and doing all that. So, mm -hmm. so he's doing great. And then and the thing that's crazy is we just did an, al uh, an album with his sister, Kate. The first album we did with Kate was 50 years ago. Oh, and we put wow. the same team back together. So it's Peter Asher producing and myself and Russ Kunkel and Danny Korchmar. Oh, and, uh, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. And uh, it's it just... There's so many things that go on, like they happen once and then they sort of float around and then something comes up and boom, they come back together. And so how was this latest collaboration? It was great. It was great. And, and it's kind of like when we did the James Taylor, Carol King, Troubadour just... reunion tour. Oh. Because that was one of those things where, you know, the old adage is you can't go home. Right. But we did get to go home and it was really good. It's, wow. it's like going to the house you grew up in and you kind of go, God, it was bigger than that. I thought it was bigger than that. Yeah. You know, everything's different. Right. When we got together with James and Carol the first time we played, I mean, it had been 40-some years. Okay, because the first time, it was the section, and Carol was on keyboard, right? Yeah, well, it wasn't even the section. It wasn't even the section. What it was, was it was Danny Korchmar, Russ Kunkel, Carol King, and myself. And they were encouraging, we were encouraging Carol to step out a bit on, on that first what, what tour. What year was that? Probably 70. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the next thing you know, you, tapestry. she goes, yeah, goes and cuts tapestry and we're kind of like, kind of not going to work out having a side person in the band that's the biggest record in the world. <laughs> and at that point, I did an album with Tom Jans and Mimi Farina, and Mimi was Joan Baez's younger sister. Mm. And um, when we did that, uh, there was a keyboard player on that named Craig Derby. Mm -hmm. And so I contacted Peter and I said, I think I found Carol's replacement because Carol was going to be moving on. And Craig came in and it was a good, great fit. So we all, we, we started with Russ and Cooch and Craig and myself. Then when we were on the road with James, um, they would, they would do it. James really didn't like doing sound checks. I mean, he would do it, get a line check for you. And then he just would go off and do whatever he wanted. Right. And we were all just so horny to play that we would just sit there and jam. And finally, I think Peter or somebody played us a tape one day, and they said, oh, check this out. And we listened to it. That's good. That was your sound check. Wow. And next thing we know, Peter went and got us a record deal with Warner Brothers. And James actually named the band. We were all going, oh, what the hell are we going to call ourselves? And he goes, well, you're a rhythm section. Why don't you just call it the section? But I remember doing, I've talked about this. I know that was James. Yeah, and I've talked to people about this before. I remember doing, it was a guy named Rick Roberts, I think was his album. And Don Henley was playing drums on it. It was when he was, he was doing session. Mm -hmm. And I remember Don saying, he goes, you think the e Eagles is a stupid name for a band? And I looked at him and I said, I thought Beatles was a stupid name. <laughs> but I, to me, the first time I heard Beatles, I conjured up insects. Right. So I had no idea what this was. I said, just make great music. That's all you got to do. Names. I mean, you think all these band names, Strawberry Alarm Clock, mm -hmm. and all these ridiculous names over the years. But Pink Floyd. Yeah. Who would think that would be a good name? That's one of my favorite things is when you see the pink t-shirts with Floyd the Barber from Mayberry on it. And it says <laughs> Pink Floyd. <laughs> it's like, That's good. But, you know, you, you just, you know, that all this stuff is just all goes on all the time. And you just sort of live in the middle of it. And, and the fun part is just kind of watching it all. I've always been like the fly on the wall. So what, what about playing with Linda Ronstadt? What, what, was, uh, what was Linda like? She's the best. She's, she, she's just the greatest. Um, have, you, have you been with her recently since? I, I talked to her. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, she's not you know, doing anything. But 
It's one of How the is she doing? She's, I mean, when I talk to her on the phone, she's doing as good as can be expected with the, the, the circumstances. Um, she sounds real positive yeah. and, and stuff. And I'm hoping that if we get up to the Bay Area, because uh, she's up in San Francisco, if the media family, if we get up there, because we're hopefully doing this West Coast tour at the end of October, and if we get up there, we'll see if we can get her to a show and see her. It'll be one of these kind of things where we'll have to, she said like when she goes someplace, she has to bring a special chair, mm-hmm. you know, just so she's comfortable and all that. But boy, I'll tell you, when you'd be around her and she'd open her mouth, you just kind of go, oh man. Yes, nobody has a voice like that. No. But she's that. also just the, the funniest character. Mm-hmm. We were doing an album up uh, at a studio called The Site, mm-hmm. um, which was across, we, did, we worked at both places, but it was right kind of across the highway from Skywalker Ranch, Lucas's place. Mm-hmm. But it was up in the mountains and we were up there and she was kind of a voracious knitter. And then- Okay, now that I didn't see coming. Yeah. And so <laughs> one day, uh, she's usually just kind of sitting there knitting, and then one day I look and she's like knitting really close like this, and I'm going, what's going on? And she said, my eyes, I don't know what's going on. My eyes are killing me. She keeps, and then she looks up, and one of the lenses had fallen out of her glasses, and she didn't know it. So she couldn't see. And I'm just going, Linda, you know, I mean, she, Sometimes you think these people are savants. <laughs> there's a um, there's a bass player in Nashville named Edgar Myers. Mm-hmm. Now, if you talk to any legit bass player in the world, you drop Edgar Myers' name, they kind of ooh, this guy's deep, yeah, deep. Um, one of my favorite bassists in the world. But a friend of mine, Eddie Bayers, who's one of the major drummers in in Nashville, was doing a session with Edgar, and he said every time there was a break, Edgar was sitting there with a the phone book, going through it, making phone calls. And he finally went over and said, what's going on? And he goes, I took my clothes in to be dry cleaned and I can't remember where they are. (laughs) And I'm going, thank God he's a savant. Oh my God, that's hysterical. He can play play like an angel, but he has no idea where his his dry cleaning gets. It's hysterical. So when you were, were, I know that you started out as you were into science and art and bass was not the first special band pianist. So not a pianist, a pianist. A pianist. Yeah. Sorry. So who were you? Who? Wait. When you? What? What drew you to the band? I mean, I know the teacher, but what drew you to it? Who? Who were the players that got you passionate about bass? <clears throat> when I started, because that's Tokatia on there. Are they spicy? No, it's really good. Okay, good. I'm just gonna grab a little. Yeah, get, grab a little, little spritz. All right, right, I'll look for some. See if there's questions while you're doing that. I can't see anything. I don't know what's going on here. Um. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I had been studying piano all my childhood. When did you start playing? I was just turned five. So I assume it wasn't your request, but your mother said you're going to play piano? No, not oh. at all. My, par- oh. my parents loved watching the Liberace TV show. Yeah. And I used to watch it with them, and I became enamored with piano. Uh, and we had a piano in the house. So. Did you have a candelabra? Oh. No. I had a menorah. Okay. It was as close as I got. <laughs> um, but uh, so, I, so I studied piano um, for many, many years. And when yeah. I went into junior high school, 12 years old. But I, what was the dream when you were playing piano? Did you? I had no dreams. You had no dreams. I was mean, too young. I mean, I was just studying. Okay, but like you're 10, you're 12, you're 13, you're 14. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking there's got to be more to life than this. <laughs> uh, no, but when I was 12 and went into junior high school, um, they didn't need a pianist. There was a lot of kids that played piano, but they needed an upright player, a string okay. bass player. Oh. And Ted, Mr. Theodore Lynn, who's the back of the book, um, he's 
asked if I'd be interested in trying out string bass. You know, right. And they had one in the back room, and he brought it out, and I held it, and I played a note and felt that vibration, and I just went, I could do this. Were you a tall, were you tall, you must have been a tall kid. Yeah, but you don't have to be tall. You don't have to be tall. I mean, because bass has a peg on it. I mean, you can have things, you know, and there's different sizes, so, you know, I mean, there's they children's are. bases oh, and stuff, so. Um, but I, I, I fell in love with it, and I think at that point I was burned out with piano. I'd been under a lot of stress with it, doing recitals and mm -hmm. things, and um, and and so. Were he, you gifted? Because um, I think you probably. No, I think I was probably average size. I'm <laughs> 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 sorry. Uh, I'm yeah, I know we're, we're right back at blazing saddles we now. Need, we need the, the Schmitz improvement here. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess. Probably was. I mean, I won some. I won a major award from the Hollywood Bowl Association oh, nice. when I was like eight years old, and played for Eugene Ormandy when I was like eight. Who was the conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra, and and I was a classical snob. I was only studying classical, and uh, when it came to when I started playing bass, I was really more classical than jazz. I was listening to Ray Brown and Red Calendar. Okay, so let's talk about jazz for a minute because Tristan's here. And yeah. His his uh, so. His mayor. It is. So what's what's your jazz what's your jazz deal, Lee? Um, it, it, well, it's not really a jazz deal. Okay. I think everything for me because uh, I was playing. Um, you played every genre with everybody. Well, I mean, yeah, almost every genre. I've done jazz albums and stuff. I, I I'm not on the radar. I enjoy playing it, but I'm not one of the guys on the radar, so I don't always get called for those days, mm -hmm. which is fine as long as I'm getting called for something, I'm happy. Um, but. Uh, Everything for me, like so many other players, you know, changed when the Beatles hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was like playing the Lighthouse in Hermosa Beach, and uh, it was one of the great jazz clubs in town. The thing that was fortunate for me was being a kind of Eastern Polish-Russian stock. Um, I, I started shaving really young, so as soon as summer would hit, I'd grow like some kind of a beard, and I could play adult clubs. And when be, you were a kid. When, when I was a kid, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd be like, you know. 13, 14, 15 years old. And, and you were already doing club days? Yeah. Wow. At that point. I mean, I went through all kinds of things. I went through a, a Chitlin circuit period um, where I hooked up with a guy named Harmonica George Smith. You gotta watch that saying, hooked up. You know what the kids... I know, I know it's a whole other thing, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna edit myself to accommodate a bunch of little punts. <laughs> Um, but uh, but uh, but I hooked up with um, this guy George Smith, harmonica George Smith, who was one of the great Chicago blues harp players, mm. and um, it was through him that I got to work with Jimmy Reed and Lightning Hopkins and Big Mama Thornton and Magic Sam and, mm. and Albert Collins, I'm doing that whole circuit playing after hours clubs. I was playing Watts the night the Watts riots broke out. Wow. Um, at the Kit Kat Club mm. and stuff. So, I mean, there's been all these periods in my life of going through all kinds of different things, and they've all, I've enjoyed them all. Mm. I feel really um, ever so fortunate to have had the career I've had. Mm. And, and when people ask me about things, I feel I'm just happy to be a working musician and part of this community. I don't think of anything beyond that. I'm just, uh, I'm grateful that there were other things that I could have ended up doing. I'm really glad this ended up being it. Okay, so it started out, I know there was like science interest, so what was I that about? I was, what was I that just always loved science. And what, what would you think, what were you thinking, what, what what attracted you, what part of it? I, I think just the whole idea of science. I mean, 
I, I just, uh, in all sciences, I mean, that was the thing. I, if I had been born rich mm -hmm. and didn't have to think about working, I could have been a career student my whole life. I would have stayed in college to this day. Uh, and I, you know what school you went to, Samantha? No. To Harry's school. He went to Northridge. Uh, yeah. It was San Fernando Valley State, State College. Which is where I wanted to go in those days. Because yeah. it had a great drama department. Yeah. Excellent. It was a great and school. And what was your, your art, right? I, I started in the music department oh, for two okay. years mm -hmm. and decided I hated it. Oh. Because what it really seemed like they were doing was gearing you towards teaching. Uh, and I didn't want to be a teacher. I wanted to perform. I see. And uh, so I ended up going up. What instrument were you in there? Bass. Bass. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was playing bass. You already moved from the Oh, yeah. I did that at uh -huh. junior high school. Uh -huh. um, so I really kind of was at, at a loss. I mean, mainly at that point, I was just humping really hard in college just to keep a student deferment because it was the height of Vietnam and everything. Did you pull a number? I, I got close on that and it was weird. I had a, a, a skin condition, which is a general thing, atopic dermatitis, mm -hmm. where if if I had stuff that was, if I had to wear clothes that were either woolen or washed in detergent, I would end up looking like beef jerky from it. So I ended up going to a dermatologist to get a note written about what she was pro-war hawk and wrote me the oh. most minimal letter she oh. possibly could and I submitted it and I ended up with a 4F because wow. of they said no this condition you can't you can't wear can't fit those clothes I would have been a disaster oh my God. but I mean my my uh, philosophy teacher at school was my draft counselor you know so I was ready to go to Canada whatever because I did not believe in that war yeah. and and one of the greatest heartbreaks I've ever experienced was playing um, in Washington, D.C. on a gig with James in the dead of winter. And at about 3 in the morning, I couldn't go to sleep. Went out, there was nothing but snow. And I walked, it was about a half a mile to the mall. And I walked down there and went to the Vietnam Memorial. I was the only person there. At wow. like 3 in the morning, and everything was covered in snow. Wow. And I put my hands and opened the books that are inside these things where you can look where people are and found a whole bunch of friends from high school that oh, had been killed over God. there and found wow. them on the wall and stuff. So, And I was just kind of sitting there reflecting going, how much life they could have had that mm -hmm. they lost over there for something that ultimately turned out to be totally bullshit. I mean, all the arguments against the war and everybody mm -hmm. calling you draft dodgers, love it or leave it. Get, and it turns out all that stuff was lies and mm -hmm. uh, it was a dark time in our history and you think so bad for all the returning you know veterans from that war that were just treated with such contempt mm -hmm. and uh, they were just they just were sold a bad bill of goods and they ended up there so so they yeah. were so political i mean we've gone through all of that with what what we've now survived yeah and get, gotten on the other side of which uh, we didn't look like we were going to do that for a while i know um were you political when you were yeah Mm -hmm. I was really lucky. I grew up in a household. Both of my parents were really pretty radical about this. And, yeah. Uh, and it was it was interesting. At one point, my dad was kind of this gypsy, and he had like all kinds of businesses. Like I mean, what? Um, he he had a swimming pool cleaning business. Then he had a glass tinning company. Was he a musician? Or other parents? He played a little saxophone, but just enough to annoy me and make me cry. <laughs> I think my mom could play a little piano. Um, but he was one of these guys that he would just get bored. I think he was bipolar probably and had like just issues. So he would start a business and then before he could make any money, he'd get bored and dump it and start something else. And uh -huh. then he had a bookstore in, in Tarzan oh, called wow. Marvelous Books. 
Um, but um, I'm starting to drift off again. I'm trying to, I want to stay um, focused on. I asked you about politically active. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. I'm getting really Let's good at this. Good. God. I can't follow my own train of thought, but I got to sure put a smile on my face. Here we are. Yeah. I think he looks really handsome with that mask, by the way. I like that mask. Um, yeah. So one of the things he had <coughs> at one point out in the San Fernando Valley on the corner of Satakoy and Balboa was one of those corner <coughs> magazine stamps mm -hmm. out there. Excuse me. It's certainly. All right. I'm looking to see. Uh, uh, um, I saw a performance at the Troubadour. Uh, the Troubadour. <coughs> um, okay. Um, okay. I don't know what any of this means. Um, Lee, any release date or information? Oh, we're going to get to the immediate family okay, stuff. Okay, we're, we're okay so, that. so we had the, um, the magazine stand on the corner. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> then there was a big, huge um, uh, kind of anti-LBJ march in front of Century City Hotel. I was marching against them. Well, my, my, folk, my dad was there, my sister and me. Well, a, a, at one point, a bunch of Cuban um, activists, mm -hmm. you know, came up and they started attacking the crowd. It was the weirdest thing. They were like pro-Russia and all this stuff. I mean, wow. It was, it was yeah. like this weird part of all like that. Like a hybrid. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not hybrid. And at one point, yeah. this one guy comes up towards my dad, mm -hmm. starting to like, wants to hit him with a sign. Oh, Jesus. And my dad grabs a sign like this. They take a picture of it. Well, one of the things my dad sold at the magazine stand was newspapers, and one of them was the Herald Examiner. He comes in to... In the morning, in the front page of the Herald Examiner, is a picture of him looking like he's going to hit this guy with a sign. He had just pulled it out of the guy's hands, oh but the picture was him going like this. Oh and then God. all this rioting down there and stuff. And he came in and he was going to have to sell these to all his customers. Oh and my God, that's hysterical. It, it was fantastic. That's hysterical. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get to the immediate family. So uh, another question I asked you... Um, Oh, great. We have to show. I brought show. you this. Thank you. Are you going to sign that, too? Absolutely. I have a silver pen, actually. I no, I was going to just open a vein and do a ring and blood for you. <laughs> I would rather. I love it. I was just telling you, I love the new logo for. Yeah. Now, tell All right. IF. I get going out of order on things, but yes, what is IF Talks? Um, what we're going to do is we're going to try to, every week, just have a little thing where we're, people can write in questions, and we're just going to do like a Zoom film. And just talk about it, or if we're together, we're just going to do it. Just going to, we're just trying to up our social media yeah. presence, and and I think it's one of these things will just be fun to. I like interacting. I love doing things like this. Mm -hmm. Like coming here to me is heaven. This is it's just great to do this, and that's. And you know what? I'm going to hug him because I can. Because I can. These are facts. Do we? Can oh, it's talk? amazing! It's amazing. Look at it. We haven't even talked about the COVID. All right, before we get to the I felt so family. bad for you. Um, it, it's because you were posting so much about just the feeling of isolation and everything. It was it's rough really for me because I was alone. The family or this anything. is the first time my yeah. kids are in. I haven't seen Samantha in 15 months. I mean, that's I so insane. I missed her entire 22nd year. Yeah. And this is the first time that she's home. My son has not had a Who lives in L.A., we only ate outside. He had, He's going to come for his first meal in the house wow. tonight. Wow. I mean, it's it was 
it's it's been hard on everybody and, and but but I was following you so much on there and, and it was always seeing you know it's like you're trying yeah, to be tragic people. no no but you're trying to be positive and uplifting but you know it that same thing was taking a toll on everybody sure and 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 it was good that you were expressive about it because it makes people realize they're not alone mm -hmm. with this stuff so I mean this is one of these things that I think is so valuable about doing things like these podcasts because things come up where people feel a sense of community absolutely and that's I mean, I was doing it seven days a week for yeah. the first many months and then five for yeah. Yeah. Because At a certain point, you just have to go. Geez, yeah. Now we're down to three because three. Yeah. Well, you can you can kind of gear content and things like that too when you're doing. Well, it's also I'm getting screwed by the Facebook fuckery. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Why? You know, it's like get it right and then leave it alone. But they're always like screwing with things. It's like you just get used to a format, mm -hmm. and then so they go, "We got the new look for you." And you go, "Where the hell did everything go?" I, don't I know. Go. I hate the. I I I call it the new Facebook. I've had it for like six months already. I don't. They just keep making it less and less interesting. Yeah. Blander and blander. Just more room for ads and that's all a, of that. That's what it's all about. And I'm sure the fuckery is happening because they think that I'm making money from it. Yeah. And I'm not. Yeah. I'm being a service. It is. This is not yeah. a, a financial. My kids are going to teach me how to make a living. Both my kids now have serious jobs. Well, I just maybe you ought to do. I just started with cameo. Well, nobody wants my cameo, though, Lee. I'm only Vicky Abelson. I'm not Lisa Laura. Doesn't matter. You just throw it up there. I'll, but it was weird. I just I just came on day before yesterday, and today I did four. Two, two birthday greetings and two anniversaries. It's wonderful. Oh, you're going to get bombarded because your yeah. fans are going to go nuts. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just looking at, at ways of staying in touch. Okay, so let's talk about how COVID impacted you because this is the COVID crazies after all. Yeah. So we did have one interview during at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. In there. Yeah. But, okay, so what was on your agenda when everything shut down? Well, I had a... A tour in Japan. I was supposed to go over and do this really great gig that might still happen next year, but in Switzerland with um, with Martin Tillman, who's a he does he's an electronic cellist. He does all the Hans wow. Zimmer's movies. Oh, he's wow. in all this stuff, and he we did a really great album together. And we were supposed to go over and do this big concert, and then it's been put off like three times. And now so it's, that's something that's like huge over there. I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, then um, there was an, I was supposed to go over and do, I think, the bass show in London. There was a lot of travel and then some touring on the East Coast. And everything disappeared like a fart in a windstorm. You know, it was like, done, gone, you know. And I was just sitting there going, wow, this is weird. I mean, just... And the immediate family had kind of, was new. It was still kind well, of Well, it was new. still pretty fresh at that point. Yeah. I mean, we had an album. Well, actually, when the pandemic hit, we had finished a new album, mm -hmm. which is now coming out August 27th. There you go, Toby. So yeah, it's August 27th will be the, the release date for the album. It was supposed to be out last November. Um, and then but we thought, why are we releasing? We can't go do anything with it. Right. Can't promote it or gig it or anything like that. So we are just- Are these new songs? It's all new songs. It's all new all songs. All new stuff. It's stuff that, it, it, this is not as new. That stuff is really new. Uh, and the thing we're really fortunate with is we're signed to a label called called Quarto Valley Records, and it's I, they just released T Bears. Yeah, they, they have mm -hmm. T Bear, mm -hmm. and um, and we talked to them over there, mm -hmm. and we said, look, at, you know, during this period, we've also been writing more material. So they said, go cut it. So next week we're going into Jackson Brown's studio. We're going to spend a week and cut a whole bunch of new material nice. for next year. 
Nice. We'll get, get the new album out. And hopefully, when the new album comes out, it will be close to when the documentary film's done by Denny. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah. So, Denny Tedesco is the son of Tommy Tedesco. The Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew. Tommy was probably one of the greatest studio guitarists, musicians who ever lived. Mm -hmm. I spent so much time working with this guy, and he was uh, an absolute treasure. Like what kind of stuff? What, Everything. What, Everything. Tell, tell me what. Tell me a couple. Oh, I mean, if you're listening to like Bonanza, he's the guitar. On no, Bonanza. but that you did with him. Um, just shows like Airwolf movies. You know, I mean, TV shows. And okay. All this okay. Crap. Uh huh. Um, it was just we were session guys. All right. And, uh, but um, so when he when he finally passed, um, his son Danny made this movie called The Wrecking Crew. That, it's, it's a great, must-see film mm -hmm. about the great musicians of the late 50s, 60s, mostly. Right. Hal Blaine and Carol Kay and uh, all these people. Because they were really un, unsung heroes. Mm -hmm. Because during that period of time... They hid them. They well, they hid them. There, no, there was no credits on right. albums for the right. musicians. Where mm -hmm. when we started with James Taylor, Peter Asher insisted that our names appear on the Fantastic. record. Fantastic. We, we all owe so much to Peter. It's, mm -hmm. it's just ridiculous. Um, really? Was that the start of... Yeah. Wow. I think so. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, so Denny did this great movie, and then they came and they approached us. Um, it's been about two and a half years now, I think, something like that. I talked to Denny about a year and a half yeah. ago at NAMM, I feel like yeah. it's been. Yeah. And uh, they decided, they, they thought they should make a movie about our group of people. And I, you're living in your own skin and you don't see it. So I kind of go, really? Really? Why us? You know, kind of thing. But he said the real thing was, he said the Wrecking Crew was a force for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Is that time. all? It was, yeah, pretty much the 60s was okay. their, their um, run as, as a really solid section and mm -hmm. all that. Um, and he said they never, they never toured with anybody. They never left the studio. They were, that was their gig, was they made the records. Ma, and people didn't know. Wait, now Kia Sloan was doing a lot of singing. Phil was doing a lot of, like, he, he was like really jammed, like all those guys. Yeah. So was he part of? I, I don't remember as vocalists. I, I knew the Wrecking Crew as the players. Right, but right. It was probably. Because he was a vocalist that was like on everything. Yeah. It was his voice on like everything. See, that's the thing that's crazy. It's like when people would listen to everything from Mamas and Papas to Frank Sinatra to the Beach Boys. It wasn't them on the records. I mean, maybe right. vocally on a lot, but right. it was mostly those people playing. Right. The association and right. all of right. the Right, right, um, But so when Denny approached us, he said the real difference is to them is this isn't an extension of that. This is a whole other thing. Because he said, we've been together 50 years instead of 10 years. We're still working. Um, we've written songs for the artists. We've toured with the artists, produced the artists. Um, so it's a whole different approach right. to it, and um, and when and it really evolved where Danny uh, Korchmar got a record deal. I was going to say, tell us how the name. Yeah, so Cooch got a, a, a record deal with the Japanese label. And when was this? Uh, probably about five years ago. Four, okay. Four mm -hmm. and five. I'm losing track of time on this stuff. That's for sure. Um, but it was in a pandemic. Uh, it's easy to do. I think the label's Vivid Records was, mm -hmm. was the Japanese label. And um, when it came time to fulfill his, his album deal, he kind of figured we'd all be out of town and stuff. But what had happened was Kuch had been living on the East Coast. Well, he moved back to Los Angeles mm -hmm. and he moved down near the marina. Mm -hmm. 
And he ended up hooking up with Steve Postel down there. And, and that's a new relationship. That is. It's, yeah. all, it's mm -hmm. all pretty new. I mean, I've known Steve for about 16 years now. I did some. Yeah, you guys know. Something, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'd worked on his, some of his projects. And then when he would do his night train social club, I'd go play the gigs with him and stuff like that. Well, he, Steve and Danny developed this relationship. And he, they started doing pre-production for a potential album. Mm -hmm. Well, when Cooch called Russ and I, it happened that the window he was talking about, we were in town. So we ended up going into Jackson Brown's studio. Did and, Steve produce? No, no. no um, as an executive producer, Fred Mullen was he's a guy who used to be a partner with Matthew McCauley, and I, I did a bunch of stuff with, mm -hmm. with them, like Randy Edelman and different projects, and Jimmy Webb. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it was a situation that Nico Volus was engineering for us, who's doing all the new stuff and work with Neeks all the time. Uh, we were available Wadi wasn't while he was up with Stevie Nicks at this point, but he was going to be back the last day. Mm -hmm. So we were in for I don't know, three days and mm -hmm. four days. and then we, So we cut the album, and uh, when it was all finished, we all kind of sat there and listened to it. And, and when they asked Kuchri, what is this going to be called for the Japanese release? And he said, this is like my immediate family. I mean, we really are immediate. And so it was just off the cuff like that. Yeah. So it was one of these things that the the, uh, the Japanese release we did at that point was called Danny Korchmar and the Immediate Family. We got that album was finished. Mm -hmm. Then when we decided that we need to continue doing this, this is way too much fun. Um, we just it became the Immediate Family. Well, also the, I remember the la the first time I interviewed you and you were saying that you're one. I don't want to call it a regret, but your one, one wish would have been that you would have been in one band. Like, because then you would have just had to learn one yeah. set of songs. And, yeah. you know, you could have had that longevity and made all that, you know, all yeah. of that happen. But it's late in life. Yeah. It's never too late. But it looks to me like this is the thing. Well, it's, it's got legs. It's got say. legs. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really kind of unbelievable that... Well, not only that, but we would get our shot yes. just at a time when the whole industry shuts Stop. down. You know, <laughs> it's it's like one of those things where you're just kind of like, timing is everything, and boy, this is just shit timing right now. But you guys have managed to make it. Oh, work we're working for our you. butts off during this. We've done a lot of videos. We've released EPs. Um, we're going to do more recording, and now we've we've got stuff lined up for you know later Something's in the year. Something's coming out. So I think this Friday is yeah. our new video um, for 345. So Steve's they, oh, song. Oh, that's um, a great song. Yeah, the video's great. Is it? Yeah. You always do something funny. Did you do something funny? Um, I don't, I'm not sure if it was funny in this one, but the yeah. worst thing I did in this one is like, I have a, a double neck bass that Warwick built me and I used that for the video. It's the heaviest damn thing. Oh. So, I'm just up there going, man, this is killing me. <laughs> but it's a performance video. It's mostly uh -huh. us performing the song and then some shots of us in the control room. And, you know, but it, but um, um, Mikey, who does the videos, is really, really good. And Can't Stop Progress was good and Cruel Twist and all this stuff. So we're making this as productive a period as we possibly can. And the, and the okay, so we're, we're during COVID, what was, you were doing everything virtually. virtually. 
And when, but you guys started breaking out of virtual before the vax. Thing. No, no. Yeah. We did. You did a concert. We did one. We did two things. We did one thing at the coach house, but we were totally mass distance everything there. And then we did another live stream from DW Drums. Mm -hmm. Those are the only times we saw each other over the year, and mm -hmm. all the crew, everybody. Then we had temperatures and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But everybody, when everybody got their shots, then now we're we've got our band bubble. And uh, so now we, we've been getting together and playing and stuff and getting oh. this new material ready to go in the studio. You know, I'm sitting here looking at you and I just got really nostalgic. It's like, we are doing this. Yeah. I mean, for a long time. This was not on the agenda. This was not, I mean, until you said it, you know, last week or the week before, I would not have even considered that I was ready to do this. Okay. I'm only doing it with you. Yeah, it's not something I feel ready to yeah, do. Open up to the world. No, I'm not ready to do yeah. that. But I don't. Because you're gonna burn my body when this is over with, anyhow. If this is my last. Maybe burn mine. I don't know. We'll build a pyre outside. Big old pyre. So, so how, how did so you started coming out of COVID craziness? You shocked. I remember you go. You going to like. Early morning and yeah, the, the thing that really sucked was Gelson's up here in mm -hmm. La Pinata mm -hmm. had their senior things like right. seven to eight in the morning or something. I thought, hell, I'm gonna go up there. And, you know, there's got to be some perk to being an old fart, so I'm gonna go up there. You know, besides you know the blue plate special and things like that. And I go up there and go ahead. They hadn't restocked yet. They were starting to restock, so they had all the old seniors in there, but they had nothing on the shelves. Oh, and no. I was going. This is bullshit. This is, you're bringing these people out at the crack of dawn to have them come in a store that you haven't put anything on the shelves oh. So I didn't, I didn't bother with that. I, I, I've, I've been very, not hesitant, but I've been very kind of methodical about the, when I would go out, because there were projects I was doing around the house where I needed to go to like Ace Hardware or Home Depot or something. So I kind of just go and keep my distance from everybody focus on what I needed to do and get the hell out and not wander the, the aisles and stuff. Do you feel differently now, having to vaccinate? I'll tell you the most amazing thing to me was, and it was like almost unconscious though, mm -hmm. the minute you get that shot, you sort of feel like there's a kind of a weight starts to lift off of you, where you kind of go, if I go out today, odds are I'm not going to die, I'm not going to get sick. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might get sick, there's still a possibility, right. but nothing's going to be Fatal. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I got the second shot, and it was really good in, in Pasadena, they did it at Pasadena City College mm -hmm. in the uh, parking structure. Mm -hmm. And so went in there, and literally, if it wasn't for like the ten minutes they have you sit afterwards waiting to see if you're going to go into anaphylactic shock or something. Yeah. Um, it could have been in and out in five minutes. Don't even start. Six hours. At yeah. Dodger, I mean, I had those friends that went to Dodger Stadium to the Forum to you know. Cooch ended up going up to near Magic Mountain and all this stuff. Um, but we're a separate municipality over in Pasadena. Mm. And so they had Moderna was the, the, the drug of availability. And, and the drug of choice. But, and you didn't have any? No it, side effects from it at all. It kicked my but ass. But I see, I, 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 they gave me the option. I did the suppository. <laughs> and it gets into your bloodstream much quicker. And, and, uh, Stuff and there's not quite as many side effects with that one. Just you know, squirm around a little bit for a while and chew it up. So okay, so you <laughs> sorry. So so you've gone. You've eaten. It's, I have not eaten inside a restaurant yet. Well, I've done a lot of restaurant eating outside. Yeah. I still the thought of everybody taking off their masks, maybe not be vaccinated and yeah. eating and stuff. 
But you've I've done, done one. You've done one. Yeah. And how did you feel? Because I find, though, that I have this terror before I go and do something new. Like, I went to Target. I went to Costco. Or the first time we talked, you know, we had terror to <laughs> right. it. But I find that when I'm out there in the world, I don't have... I don't... I was agoraphobic to go out, but yeah. I'm not when I'm out there. Okay. So we went out for Mother's Day to Din Tai Fung. Have you been Okay, no, I haven't. It's the best. Where's Tim Sun? It's uh, it's on brand. It's part of the Americana, but on the okay. outside, but it's it's the best dim sum like in the wow. world. Like Phil, everybody feed somebody feed Phil. It's in Shanghai. He ate there like three times when he was there. It's unbelievable. Wow. So anyway, we went there for Mother's Day, and it was you know a long way. Well, it might be a little quicker if you eat inside. And I was like, no, I want to eat outside. Yeah. And then as I was looking around, I was like, I can do this. The okay, ceilings good. were really high. The tables. We ended up eating outside, but I'm thinking I'm getting there. Yeah, you're, you're working baby steps. So do you feel that, like, are you ready to get on a plane? Oh, I'm not ready to get on a plane. Are you well, ready to get on a plane? Well, I'm not. My wife this Saturday is flying to Tucson. Her sister just moved to Tucson, okay. so I'm going to take her to LAX, and she's going to fly. Mm -hmm. She's had her shots and everything. Mm -hmm. She's going to wear them at. Um, at, at, a, at this point, I mean, if I had to go somewhere, mm -hmm. I might... I might consider doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm not that enthusiastic. I mean, I'm generally not that enthusiastic, even though I fly constantly. Right. Um, just because flying's just become such a pain in the ass just to go through the TSA and all mm -hmm. the stuff you have to go through. But I'm going to have flights starting, I think, in late July. Okay, so tell us what's coming up as your life gets bigger, what's going to happen. Um, well, Peter Asher contacted me. He's mm -hmm. going to be doing... Peter Asher's one-man show is a fantastic show that he does. Oh. Um, it's one of the most interesting things where he, he talks, his history in the music business is deep. And he, he, he presents it in a really unique way. And his show is some live music, a lot of video mm -hmm. stuff. He talks about when McCartney lived in their house when he was dating Jane, Peter's oh, sister. I and I mean, it's deep. Mm -hmm. um, so he's going to go uh, do this, uh, and it's going to be Peter and Kate Taylor is doing it and um james's sister james's sister wow and so we'll do some of the music from her new album mm -hmm. and we've got a small did band. peter produce that yeah uh -huh. and he produced it 50 years ago too so and we're going to have a small band and the thing that's really cool um um about it is peter has a book out mm -hmm. and kate's done a book so we're going to we're going to we're going to hit bookstores nice um on all the time and we'll nice. have them at the swag counter and all that nice so, the difference is, I think their books are about this big, and then I'm dragging this <laughs> elephant with me. How are you going to take all those books? Well, what I'm, going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to probably put a pallet together and ship it back to Kate's managers in New Jersey. And they mm -hmm. said, we can just, you know, once it's there, then we can, like, load it with the equipment cool. um, that we're doing. So we'll, fi we'll figure it out. And so so you're going to do that? How long How long? It's, it's only going to be, like, two, two, 10 days, two weeks, something like that. And so we'll fly back, and we'll probably just be busing. And then the immediate family is we've got some gigs. I think we have a West Coast run like the, la the towards the end of October, and then uh, East Coast uh, in the first part of November. I think we're going to be from Philadelphia up to New Hampshire. And what kind of venues are you going to be doing? I don't know. We'll mm -hmm. find out what's getting booked. But one of the things I'm trying to help set up is they've been Steve Bailey at, at Berkeley mm -hmm. College in Boston has been saying, you know, they would love to have the band come there and maybe do like a couple of day residence, do some master classes and performances. Nice. So we're trying to sort that out for either just 
go early and do it then or stay on and do it since we're going to be in that part of the country it'd be easy to go back to boston and do it so we'll see what happens with that and then we we were supposed to do this past february a couple of months ago mm -hmm. uh, a thing called the rock legends cruise which we did it's the last gig we did the year before last. I remember one. He was nervous because about going on the ship. Yeah, because it, the COVID thing had already. It had hit in Asia, you know. I mean, that was the thing. There was boats in like China and and stuff that were they were dealing with. And we said, well, this is Florida, the Grand Cayman. So, um, it the, and it was Steve Postel's gig at Molly Malone. That was the last time I saw you. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Right. So. Um, so they asked us to come back mm -hmm. and then they had to cancel it. Mm -hmm. So now next February we're doing that again. And but I think things might really Are start. Are we going to be ready year. for cruises in February? Do you? I don't know. I just don't know. That and seems and but like all the contracts that we were signing have escape clauses. Right. If things aren't good, we're not doing it. Right. We're not going to put ourselves or our audience in danger. Either. Right. We've all had our shots. Right. But I don't think anybody should put themselves in I think that the variant, especially the India variant, which is so unknown right now, yeah. is, is still something. So we're still in the holding pattern. I mean, it, it, the thing we need to do is we need to get things in the book. Right. You can always bail on it, but you can't get the gigs right. if everybody else has eaten them all up. Right. right. So, so we'll see what happens with all this. But right now, we're just, um, we're just anxious. We just want to be. Playing. I mean, like every other musician. So, how often do you guys get together and play? Well, we're going to get together this coming week for two or three days to review what we did the last couple of weeks, where we were spending about four days a week working on this new material, and we've mm -hmm. got about eight things really ready to go. So, we're going to review those for a couple of days, and then the following week, we're going to be in I think Monday through Friday at Jackson Studio. Nice. And uh, that has to be thrilling. It's great. Well, it's, it's your life's blood is flowing again, because yeah. that's what that's what we all thrive on, and uh, and to have that taken away was weird. I mean, you, you understand why you can intellectualize all this stuff and mm -hmm. understand what's going on, but it still sucks. Yeah. So, so and, we'll see. So, do you feel it too at home? Like, how is your is your day different? Oh, totally. How so? Well, totally because um, I I get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, Sound like a blues tune. Go up in the morning. You know, just, that's enough. That's enough. And reading after that in a blues tune is horrible. <laughs> um, no, but I get up and, and I take care of some stuff around the house and I'll feed the dogs and take care of all that. Then I focus on my uh, YouTube. Right. At that and point. Now that's all the same as what you were doing before. Well, I, not before. I mean, I had never. No, done but it. I mean, COVID. Yes, yeah. I mean nothing's really changed. Oh, okay. That's what, COVID. I, yeah. that's what I'm I mean, asking. the only thing that might change is the possibility of of going somewhere for dinner or lunch. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, um, don't we don't do that yeah. at all. I mean, like I said, I've only eaten indoors once. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, it's twice now, but in the same restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, but they have really big booths and they have plexiglass up between them and all right, that right. kind of stuff. So. Um, but to me, it, it's all baby steps mm -hmm. through this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm, for a long time, we had that tunnel, and the light at the end of the tunnel was a train coming at us that was going to kill us. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, and now it's, you know, you kind of look at the end of that, and there's the possibility of all of this being a whole, get it, getting a lot better. But you also have to remember that because it's maybe getting better locally, 
Our job is a is a global Absolutely. job, and when I look at what's going on in India oh and, and in Brazil and all these other places, mm -hmm. and so many areas where things got good and then they let their guard down and then they're back up again, and you know UK, Germany, all these places, mm -hmm. and different parts of this country. Mm -hmm. I mean, up in Michigan, the numbers are like soaring up there. Tristan's from Michigan. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really a, a drag that you when you turn on the news and you see spring break. And you see thousands of kids down in How Florida. How is Florida not just... Why, why isn't it running rampant in Florida? How is it possible? I, unless they're just not being honest about what's They must on. not be being honest. But I, I, I don't know. You know. I just, to me, that, that's what was making me crazy when people like Sammy Hagar and Clapton and these guys were all going, we got to open up the concerts. And I'm going, Well, they were also anti-vaxxing. Yeah, well, anti it, it's not only that, but it, it's a situation where you go, Who's the safest person at the gig? You. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to be coddled to right. the stage right. and everything. What about all those people down below that are just there for hours all mashed in like sardines? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm concerned about how these things are going to be policed. Like when they talk about, well, it's, you know, the place holds 18,000, but we're only going to let 8,000 in or something like that. Well, what if in the middle of a concert these people all want to take their rush, masks off and, and they rush the stage? stage? Yeah. I mean, when you see people getting in fights at a Walmart over a mask, what's going to happen when you've got thousands of people at a concert? So I don't know. Drunk and stoned and all of that yeah. stuff on top of it. I don't know what's going to happen with this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm glad at this point that there's going to be a bunch of things going on out there concert-wise that'll be interesting to watch and see how they go before. Are things happening? Are things happening like? Soonish? Yeah, well, Genesis is going to be, their tour is happening, and they're doing Europe in September, and the States in October, November. Mm -hmm. And those are going to be huge gigs. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, the thing that was great about those guys was um, they had, early on in this, they had booked a facility in London where we had rehearsed with Phil to do mm -hmm. his tour, this big, huge soundstage there. So they had booked it to do their all production and all that stuff, but mm -hmm. they didn't know if the tour was going to happen. But Tony Smith, this is why I love these guys. Uh, he said, "Well, look, at, you know, we'll get the whole show together here, and then we'll mothball it until the time is right." But he said, "At least at this point, all these crew guys have six weeks of work, mm -hmm. and they had no outbreaks in there. They had COVID oh, police on, on the thing. They, mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody who flew over was quarantined." Mm -hmm. They were taking temperatures every day and testing people, and they say no problems that during is. the whole thing. But the idea, because the people who got in this business who really got nailed were the crews, mm -hmm. you know, because most of those guys are living week to week on mm -hmm. their paychecks, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, no touring, no nothing. The caterers, the, the uh, all, all the people of those. There's mm -hmm. so many. The, 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 the when you go out and do a concert tour. Mm -hmm. It's an onion, you know, the band right. is that first layer, but you can sit there, or like an artichoke, you can just sit there peeling the same, right. and there's so many levels of janitorial staff in the right. venues, the people that are printing all of the tickets, and, right. I mean, it's unbelievable, the swag, all the, all this right. stuff, so, right. um, so it, it was really great that they felt compelled to at least put all these people to work for like six or seven weeks of rehearsal, um, just so they would have an income. Well, I am really thrilled that you suggested this, and I am sitting here with you, yeah. and it feels oh, so right yeah. and so normally. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, and you can, you can sign up. I'm going to buy my book. You're going to sign it, and you're going to play one more song for us. I think we should play again. We had. I think you should play again. So.
Everybody's heard this crap. I'm just so, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here. We'll just do a little more. Give, give me sixty seconds. Okay, Justin's yeah. gonna go get his. Uh, get his. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll show everybody something fun here if they can okay. see it. Um, That's a beauty. This is my Warwick built this, and this wow, is my. Wow, that is gorgeous. Well, this is my special producer switch that has all these different sounds. So yeah. if somebody's listening, a producer's listening, and you go, I don't like that sound. <laughs> you'll flip this, and you go. How's that? Uh, I don't know if I like that. And then you go like that. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like that one. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, if you don't like any of them, then they do. <laughs> and there's an in inlaid hand giving the finger. <laughs> and all it is is a 9-volt battery and some lights. This no, doesn't do anything. This has to be new. Oh, oh, yeah. This is a couple years old now. But that, no, is, it, this. that is hysterical. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lit finger. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I see. <laughs> It's the Warwick, James said. Yeah. It sounds fantastic. I, I don't want to touch the thing because I might mess it up. So, all right, here's Tristan. This is again Tristan Capel in from New York. Um, e flat, you know what I'm just play off in some more blues, so we'll just go.